Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! Screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 177, and tonight we're going back, well, to before the golden age of slashers. We are taking a look at the 1980 bride-to-be killer flick, He Knows You're Alone, and that is a listener request. So Vicky from Philadelphia is taking over this episode. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. We have lots of fun stuff to get to. We got a super special guest, Mr. Roger Connors from Chill the Killing Games. And we're going to begin the show right after this super important message from, well, me. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am delighted to announce to you that the Patreon page for Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay, is live. Now, you can help support the show in a brand new way, and as a reward, you're going to get all new exclusive content. By becoming a member with your $1, $3, or $8 monthly donation, you will automatically get a subscription to the new monthly newsletter. You will have an original song composed just for you, about you, improvised live on the show. And you will get access to up to three new episodes a month, all covering brand new in-the-theater movie releases, as well as directed video stuff that I would have to pay for. So, it's a brand new world out here, and it's a brand new Scream Queens. And by supporting the show, you're going to help take us to the next level. Getting better equipment, getting better better editing software, getting merchandise design, getting new logos for the show, getting an advertising budget together so I can get a press kit together to get the word out to more and more people and bring more and more folks into the family. And I want everybody to have a hell of a lot of fun doing it. So head on over to patreon.com slash screamqueens, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N slash Scream Queens. And as always, that's Queens with a Z. Become a Patreon subscriber and help make the world an even creepier place. Hello again, everybody. Welcome back for another episode. It's great to be here with you again. My name is Patrick, if you're new, and I'm going to be your host for the next, well, it looks like it's going to be another maybe two hour and 15 minute episode today because we've got a very special guest. And during that time, I'm going to be your guide to the weird and wonderful world of horror movies, but as seen through my very, very gay little eyes. And I'm just happy to be talking with you today because it's so nice to be with you. I love all the creepy things you do. That's enough singing for now. Yeah, I'll be singing again in like two minutes, but just just, just, just work with me here. Just work with me here. So, it's a snow day here in New York City. We got a big 10-incher. And when I heard we were getting a big 10-incher on the news, I, I well, I got excited because I misunderstood. This is not the kind of 10-incher I would have preferred. But you know what? This, this It's just the way things are. So I'm locked up in the house all days. It's just me and Smoochie, and I figured let's get ahead of the podcast game and talk to my beautiful, 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 beautiful screamers out there and also catch up on some awful movies. So first and foremost, I need to tell you that right now I am in excruciating 
pain. Yeah, remember, you know that shoulder problem that I've been complaining about for the last episode or two? I've still got it, and it's not getting any better. And I went to see my chiropractor the other day, and he gave me all these stretches to do, and it's helping. But good lord, it feels like somebody shoved a coconut in up under my shoulder blades. Why would somebody do that? That's just stupid. It sounds like a Gilligan's Island thing to do. Professor! Probably trying to make a radio out of my back. I don't know. Radio back. Well, if you can have radio head, you can have radio back. What are you talking about? I don't know. I don't know. And it's fun. He told me to get a foam roller so I can do, you know, those you know, floor exercises and, you know, kind of roll out the muscle things. And it's great. It hurts like hell when I do it. When I can do it. What does that mean? Well, what that means is I have a cat. And getting down on the floor immediately means that the cat has to be completely fascinated by everything that you're doing so i'm trying to relax this muscle i'm trying to roll back and forth on my foam roller and i've got this big gigantic face in my face going and hitting me with her paw in the nose and as you know snoop smoochie is not the best tempered girl so i'm always afraid she's gonna go for my eyes because that's relaxing yeah, no what, and I wonder why my shoulder's in pain. It can't have anything to do with that or the constant state of daily stress that current events are inflicting upon me. But are we talking about that? No, not right now. So let's get the smoochy watch out of the way. She's doing good. She uh, went to the vet shortly after the last episode, as I said she was going to because she's got that uck on her tail, so she's on her antibiotics. She gained another pound. She's up to 29 pounds now. But I'm just taking it for what it is. I've, she's on a new kibble, a new prescription kibble. She's doing better with her behavior stuff. Thank you again, Kathleen, from the North Shore Animal League, for all of your help with help calming, calming this savage beast. I can't speak, but thank you anyway. And I, I don't know what else to do, but just follow along the way things are going. And hopefully everything will work itself out soon. So as soon as she's done with this course, which should be... Well, no, it will be Monday. She'll be done with this course. She'll be scheduled to go in finally for those echocardiograms or whatever it is. She's, I can't even remember what they're called right now. I know it's a sonogram and something else to find out what's wrong with her heart and how we can treat that. This cat's going to put me in the poorhouse. But that's okay because I love her. And this is fun too. Speaking of love. It's the Valentine's Day episode. And I want to give you an example of true love here because, like I said, she's on this antibiotics again and it always makes her poop runny and since she's a long-haired cat who's now too big to clean herself i have to chase after her all the time to get the poop off of her butt so i was running around with a wet nap or something come here smoochie come here smoochie because if it dries if it dries it's really hard to get off and i usually have to wind up cutting it off so i'll be chasing this cat around the house with a pair of safety scissors trying to snip the poop and crusted fur off of her butt and that's love baby that's love. Fuck your flowers. Fuck your chocolates. I got chocolates right here. I got poop chocolates. What are you talking about? I don't know. Oh, God. Uh, the other thing that's been fun is that I mentioned last time that Kathleen from the North Shore Animal League recommended that I get a bird feeder to put in the window to help keep her entertained during the day because being an outdoor cat is now an indoor cat. She's getting bored. No, she's not getting bored. She is bored. So all the uh, stimulation I can give her, you know, besides chasing her around with a wet nap and safety scissors to chisel off her poop and crusted fur, uh, you know, aside from that kind of excitement. So what's been happening is every day around noon, we get a visitor. 
the first time he came, I freaked out. I saw her face. She went running over to the window, and I saw this gigantic thing in the bird feeder, and I thought it was a rat. Like, great. I'm going to have the – great. This is what I'm going to attract to the building. But no, it wasn't a rat. And then I thought, oh, is it a squirrel? Because it's – no, it's the fattest pigeon I've ever seen in my life. He comes every day at the same time. And the two of them just stare at each other for about an hour. And on Tuesday, he didn't come for some reason. Well, it was raining, and the bird never came, and she was pissy all day. And then when he showed up the next day, she was ecstatic. She was cooing and purring at the window, and I just thought, wow, theirs is a forbidden love. Society was not ready to accept their cat bird love, but here we are. Here we are. And now today with the snow, I figured, oh, shit, he's not going to come again today because of the bad weather. And I'm going to be trapped up here with Pissy Puss again in blizzard conditions. But actually, not only did he come, every bird for like a 30-mile radius showed up all morning long. So Miss Thing was losing her mind. It was a rate of little itty-bitty sparrows and cardinals and robins and shit. And she's freaking out. Like, you're not my man. You're not my man. Where's my man bird? And then when he finally came out, I just thought, is she going to rub one out? Is my kid cats rub one out? Because I think she's just, I don't even, I can't. This is my life now. This is this is my life as a single gay man right now is my cat. But what I was going to say before, and I started to say, is that, you know, life in New York these days for the single gay man is an endless series of protests and rallies and calls to action. And it's weird. It's become like a dating thing. It's like, so what are you doing after the protest today? But they had a big one last weekend for uh, LGBT rights in front of the Stonewall. Thousands of people showed up, and it was fabulous. And I have to say the sign work was particularly on fleek because nothing says creativity like gays and lesbians and bisexual and transgenders and all the people under the rainbow rainbow with magic markers and glitter pens. It was crazy. Uh, of course, this was the day after the Muslim ban, and I don't – Muslim, Muslim, did I say it right? Muslim ban. Because let's face it, let's call it what it is. You can't call it that up until the time the paper comes out, and then you word it specifically not using that word, except that is what we're dealing with, but neither here nor there. So that topic usurped the LGBT stuff, which was fine. Which is fine. We're standing with our Muslim brothers and sisters in this nonsense because once you're done with them, you're coming for us because, let's face it, that First Amendment Defense Act is still kicking around out there. Will we sign it? Will we not sign it? We don't know. Shrug, shrug. Our gay rights, human rights, we don't know. We haven't decided yet. So they're keeping us in suspense, and we're not having it. But it was great to just see a whole bunch of people out there Initially planned for one cause, completely taking up the reins of another cause, because instead of dividing and conquering us on our individual issues, they're banding all the issues closer together, and that is all the politics I'm going to deal with for now. So I got to do another one of those Escape the Room event things, and these things are just popping up like flies everywhere and that's cool. I like him. It's fun to do an intellectual thing. And this one was much better than that stupid gay zombie one. That was a terrible experience. But this was a bunch of guys from the chorus as well as my friend Bruce. I went with him, even though I'm not singing with them right now. And I, the company, I think, is called 
on escape or one scape? I can't really tell because they're like, it's no escape, but we turned the first two letters around. Whatever. I don't know how to say your name. Whatever. But uh, it was a very high-tech one, which is cool. It was more advanced than the other ones. But we had a penitentiary scenario. And I said, you just took 15 homosexuals and put them in a jail setting and expect us to escape? You just put us in a real-life porno movie. Okay, I don't think this is going to... I'm sorry for the person going to be watching us on camera to make sure we don't break shit because we're going to be busting each other's business. What? No, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. It was a very challenging one. And it was cool. There was laser beams and shit. It got all Mission Impossible. You couldn't trip the laser beams and it was fun because we've got some big girls in the chorus who were there and they were just... Well, let's just say they were laser magnets, but bless their hearts, bless their hearts. Good times. Good times. So, I do want to talk about one thing. I debated talking about this. But I need to tell you about it because as not cool as it is, ultimately I find it hilarious because I was seeing someone sort of. Now, I have to go slowly these days as a 46-year-old HIV-positive gay man just out of a 10-year relationship. When it comes to like dating, I'm going to have to put on the brakes a bit. I've still got some issues. I've got some problems and I need to take things at my own speed however it's a hook if it's a hookup that's a whole other thing but no this is something i wanted to extend and see where it was going and we had three dates and everything was nice and on the third date things were finally finally starting to get physical then we got physical physical patrick and the guy got physical and we're at his place and we're making out and things were progressing to move to the other room if you know what I mean, but before we did, he says, oh, by the way, I just wanted to tell you, I might have been exposed to syphilis last week. I just wanted you to know. Okay, let's go to the other room. Wait, what? Time. Time. First of all, thank you for telling me. That was cool of you. However, following it up with let's go to the other room like things are still going to progress down the avenue that they're already progressing. What are you, insane? Ew! Gross! And I decided to talk about this because, you know, hey, ultimately, sexually transmitted disease is nothing to be that ashamed of. And as I said on the show before, feeling shame about yourself is toxic. It will get you nowhere. And I figure if I talk about it, then maybe it will help somebody else down the road. Now, we didn't do anything. We hadn't done much up until that point. But I went and got myself tested anyway. I'm still waiting for the results. Anyhow, I mean, I'm not sure if it can be transmitted through spit or not. But you know what? I'd rather be safe than sorry. I don't need no spirochetes up in my business. Gross! Valentine's Day, isn't it romantic? Sitting at the clinic, bleeding in a vial. Do I have it? Do I not? I don't know. It's the mystery of Valentine's Day. Oh, I would much rather if Harry Warden just came and put a pickaxe in my face right now. No, not really. Not really. There won't be a fourth date. And it doesn't have that much to do with the syphilis business because at least you had the decency to tell me and that's cool but to think that we were going to progress further and getting mad at me that we were not you're out of your goddamn mind sir next so i've got to see a lot of movies lately but i'm only going to talk about one well first of all i saw split and i saw rings 
And I'm specifically not going to be talking about those because those are your first two episodes waiting for you on the Patreon page. If you become an Amy Steele level subscriber or higher, you can get one or two extra bonus episodes a month, possibly more as time goes on. There might be three this month, but I'll get to that in a minute. So if you want to find out what I thought about those movies, you're going to have to become a member to join my little Patreon family. Is that blackmail? No. 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 It's such an ugly word. It's a vicious threat. What are you talking about? I don't know. But now I know you know by now that the word on rings is bad. And obviously my review is not going to be good. If you follow on Facebook, you know that I've leaked some information (laughs) about my opinion about the movie. However, this is one of those episodes that we have not had in a long time because Daddy loses his shit. Daddy goes off. I have a rant like I haven't had in a really long time, and God, it felt good, and I want you to hear it. So head on over to the Patreon page, patreon.com slash screamqueens, and join me there. I'm looking forward to having you. The one movie I want to talk about is a movie I stumbled across on Amazon Prime, and it's called The Fields. And I didn't know anything about it. So the ratings were, were high. There were four stars. And I said, oh, it's got Cloris Leachman. It's got some other people who I think are cool. All right, I'll give it a try. And it was actually really good. It's set in the 70s, and it's based on a true story. It's uh, about a little boy at a farm who's, who's staying with his grandparents while his parents are having difficulty. But this is the era of Charlie Manson. Now, the Helter Skelter murders had already happened, but his people are still around. And some of his people are in the fields and they're terrorizing this poor family and it's a damn good movie it's it's well written well acted it's beautifully shot it's very suspenseful in parts and cloris leachman is amazing but the thing that was weird and i realized it's based on a true story all the names were really weird there's like a beppo and 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 a tootie and and his grandfather's name was heine everybody kept calling him grandpa heine so you've got scenes, particularly in the end with Cloris Lindstrom running around screaming, Heine! Heine! Help me, Heine! Where's Heine? I'm like, well, turn around and put your hands on your butt. There's your Heine, Cloris Leachman. And it's cute because Tara reads in it. She plays the kid's mom. And bless her heart, she's doing scenes with Cloris Leachman and she's trying to hold her own and she's in a wig. And it's, you know, okay, so it's, it's that part is at least entertaining and she's not in it much. But the field's Check it out. Now, I'm going to go off topic a little bit here because there's a movie I just got to see the other day. Uh, It's a Danish movie from 2015 that's just getting an American release now going with the awful title Land of Mine. And it's about – it's the true story of uh, uh, how in Denmark after the war they used Nazi prisoners of war to clean up their beaches. The Nazis had planted over 2 million landmines on the beaches of Denmark, thinking that that's where the Allies were going to land. So now it was their job to dig them up under less than ideal circumstances. And a lot of them were just boys. And it puts up an interesting moral dilemma because you're like, okay, they're Nazis. They did a horrible thing. They did many horrible things. They supported horrible things. They put all these mines there. It only makes sense that they clean them up. But the thing is, these POWs are all like 14, 15-year-old boys. You know, boys who were drafted into a war 
they didn't start. And it, it's an interesting moral dilemma, and as well as a very suspenseful movie. It's really smart because there's no there's no music for a lot of it, especially when they're having to disarm mine after mine after mine after mine, and it lulls you into the sense of boredom. You're getting as bored watching them do this as they are doing it so that when one of them finally goes off, it's a real shock. But what's really great about this movie, the guy who's in charge of him, the Danish soldier who's in charge of, of watching this particular band of kids, is A, he's really hot, and there is a really strong, unspoken, homoerotic vibe going with him and one of his prisoners. All of their scenes are shot during golden hours, so it's all got that, you know, hallmark movie of the week glow to it you know they're always sitting too close to each other or standing too close to each other and they have really deep emotional conversations and at a certain point i'm just like kiss him would you kiss that nazi that's a phrase i never thought i would hear myself say but i just heard myself say the other thing i got to see this off topic i got to see a dog's purpose and i know there was a whole thing with that video that oh the dog was abused but then the aspca said no that video is fake so i went to see it It was a free screening i cried for two hours it's completely emotionally manipulative garbage but it played me like a damn fiddle you know how angry i you know how i always say the dog always dies even in family films the dog always dies it's not just horror and so yeah it's always bad and i hate that but can you imagine what it's like so this is about reincarnation because apparently all dogs are Buddhist. When, when the dog dies like eight times in one movie, I was a wreck. Literally, a puppy dies in the first 30 seconds. And it set the tone for the rest of the movie. Every time a dog, one of the dog's incarnations, went hopping happily off screen and went running after a ball or got out of the house or was just jumping happily, I'm like, the dog's about to die. Ah, it's going to get hit by a car. Ah! So for a family film, it was very suspenseful, although I'm not sure how much of a family film it is because, like I said, that dog dies a lot. I Like, a lot, a lot, and not always very nicely. But it is a decent movie. But what's really cool is Peggy Lipton is in it. Now, you young kids are like, who the hell is Peggy Lipton? Well, I'm going to tell you who she is, and you're still going to be like, what's that? Peggy Lipton used to be on the Mod Squad. She's the hot blonde from the Mod Squad. What's the Mod Squad? Forget it. I can't help you kids. Forget it. The older people are like, why Peggy Lipton? And I got to tell you, I don't know how old she is now. She looks fabulous. And I didn't know she was in it because they didn't put the cast up beforehand, like during the, the, the credits and stuff. So she popped out. And since this was like a sag screening, you have to be like super quiet. I had to literally restrain myself from leaping out of my seat going, oh, my God, Peggy Lipton, which would have been super gay and super hilarious. But I would have gotten thrown out and been <laughs> not only out of the theater, but out of this screening program that I go to. I think I've talked enough for now, like I said, we got a long show to get to. We have a lot of voicemails and we got a lot of emails and we got lots of correspondence for you guys, as well as a great conversation with Roger Connors. And I want to say thank you to Vicky from Philadelphia for picking He Knows You're Alone. She said in her note that it's one of her favorite movies because just like me, it was on HBO all the time back in the day and she watched it every time and it's one of the first horror movies she remembers seeing. So I hope that you enjoy what we're doing and thank you for buying your tickets to go see George Takai's Allegiance when it was in the movie theaters in December. Now, it's coming back, kids. You're going to have one more chance, I think, on the 17th? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Gosh darn it. But anyway, George Takai's Allegiance is coming back to the theaters sometime in February. And of course, that's the story of of, uh, Japanese internment camps, which happened in America during World War II, in which he was a prisoner of in real life. And I offered that special offer that if you bought tickets to go see it and 
You send me your receipt, you get to take over the show for an episode, and I will review whatever movie you tell me to. That offer is going to stand again for now, because I think it's really important that people see this story at this time. It is a direct reflection of what is happening in our country and the world right now in a worst-case scenario, and, and well, a worser-case scenario, and forearmed is forearmed, and it's a great show on top of it. So head on over to, uh, what is it, Phantom Tickets? I am useless right now. I'm going to have this information at the end of the show when I'm better prepared because I'm just so excited to start the show. It's time to talk about He Knows You're Alone with the fabulous Roger Carner. So let's take a listen to the trailer right now. On the night before her wedding, every girl is alone. Joyce. Nancy. Amy. Patricia, Joan, Debbie, on the night before her wedding, every girl is frightened, and this time, there's good reason, he knows you're alone. being valentine's day it seems really fitting to do like a really romantic movie and what could be more romantic than a wedding right and of course who wants to spend valentine's day by themselves not me that's for sure and that's why i have this very special guest on the phone with me right now and i am thrilled to introduce him to you you'll remember him from chill the killing game which i gave a great review to he is the gay star of all kinds of indie horror, and when it comes to music, he likes it fizzy and bubbly. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mr. Roger Connor. Hey man, how's it going? I'm doing good, Roger. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Thanks for having me. You're so mellow and composed. I know. <laughs> I'm excited. Oh, okay, okay. I'll say you're just trying to keep a lid on all that. I know. All, it'll all come. Firm. It'll come off the top soon. Don't you worry. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh my. Okay, so I'm thrilled to have you here. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so excited. Yes. About podcast, especially yes. when you're gay and space. <laughs> Yeah, so I met Roger, you know, after I saw Chill Killing Games, but before I talked about it on the show, he's a super cool, fun guy to follow, and I couldn't wait to have him here. And not sure why I picked you specifically for this movie, but hey, why the hell not? It was destiny. It was meant to happen. It's so romantic. Uh-huh, because it turns out you have not seen He Knows You're Alone before. I haven't. I don't know how I've overlooked this this gem. Yeah, well, that, that blows my mind just because I'm very, very old, and I've just assumed everybody's seen everything. I am, um, you know, I, I really didn't even know what I was getting into, and I, I feel thankful that you've exposed me to such a fine piece of cinema. Okay. I'm very grateful. <laughs> You're welcome. The finest that Staten Island can, can offer. <laughs> the cinematic <laughs> piece of gorgeousness that is Staten Island. 
groundbreaking uh-huh. in so many ways. It's just <laughs> as tropical as it sounds. Okay, so Roger, so uh, just before we start talking about the movie, let's talk about you a bit. What is going on in your illustrious film career? I know you've got a couple of projects kicking around in the air right now. Yeah, yeah, you know, 2017 is going to be a good year. Um, I Over the last few years, I've been lucky enough to have a few of my films finally come out and get some good reception, you know, mm-hmm. Chill the Killing Games, which I'm very thankful that you gave a, a good review to. You're um, welcome. Yeah, and I'm really proud Thank of Thank you for film. not sucking. Oh, no. Well, yeah, well, 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 you know, well, <laughs> please, it's early in the call. <laughs> yeah. Overall, I mean, after, uh, with Chin and Elementary, which was on the Chiller channel, and then those are, there are a few films that kind of kickstarted the whole indie horror route for me. And so I've just kind of maintained that, and I've been really lucky that a few of them have seen some attention now, and that's kind of opened other doors for me. So 2017, I've got about four movies premiering i have lady krampus coming out um uh internationally on dvd around uh november sweet mm-hmm. which is i play a drag queen in that by the way so i'm keeping up the gay theme uh-huh good well you know you mm-hmm. got your niche i do and i'm gonna run with it I, good, good. somebody needs to i says that some of us are too old to carry that torch now so yes i happily pass it on to you well thank you You're <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best uh-huh <laughs> Notice I just took credit for your entire career. That's what I just did right now. So I, you're welcome. I learned from my elders, I guess. Thank you. Uh, watch it. <laughs> watch it. Okay. So, all right. So let's get into the movie. Now, Roger, since you are the guest, and I'm probably springing this on you, but that's what happens when you're a guest on the show, it is your responsibility to give a quick, concise, 30-second description of the plot of He Knows You're Alone. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's a loaded responsibility um i can just go ahead and can yeah. just run with it okay um 30 seconds and i'm going um so the film revolves around this um fawn-eyed lamb named amy who is engaged to be wed to this like subpar guy when she has this other dude who is all about her to a creepy level i would feel kind of stalking her but then she's really being stalked at the same time by a guy who is not very discreet about covering his face um and he has a thing for killing brides to be so that's the theme if you're going to get married you're going to get killed in this film specifically so i feel like that would be my description was that good that was fantastic thank you that was fantastic and it did not go the direct route i enjoyed that yeah, well, you gotta leave something for the viewers. To oh, be I surprised. know, I know, I know. I didn't think Phil was that bad, but we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, we'll discuss Phil. This, this is for the listeners. I did an impromptu online screening of the movie this afternoon, so I want to thank uh, Tara and Krabby and Nudie for coming and watching the movie with me. It was totally fun to hang out with you guys and giggle a bit over this very, very, very silly piece of cinema. cinema. I just Words just stopped happening in my mouth for a second there. That was not okay. Okay, someone's getting hissy. Smoochie? Oh, no. Oh, here we go. All right. So, now, I would just have to tell you a little bit of my history of the film because, as I've said, I'm very, very old. No, I did not see it in the movie theaters. I'm not that old. But, however, in the early days of HBO, this was one of the movies that was on seven times a day, every day, for about six months. Well, lucky you. And so, of course, being, you know, HBO being a new thing, you watched everything that was on constantly. So, at the time, I saw it 
a gazillion times, and at age 11, it was the best movie ever. Do you hold, like, a place for it in your heart because of that, then? Is this, like, a special movie to you? There, well, those movies are very special. Those ones that got beaten into my head, whether they were good or whether they were bad, they're just part of me now, just from, you know, being immersed in them for so long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Understood. I have a few movies like that where I just can't remove them from my brain, and I have a strange passion for them, and I don't understand why. So well, that's I what it. I don't, didn't have so much a passion to, but I just know that it was it was ingrained into me at a very early age, and I thought I knew everything backwards, and watching it again, it turns out I didn't. I have not seen it in a very long time. The last time I saw it, I guess it was on DVD. I think I, pro- I mean, pro- might have even been on VHS. I rented it from a store, and I thought at the time, my God, what a boring piece of shit. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I'm happy we're on the same page, but <laughs> again, that will be explored soon. But that was then. Now I found more to appreciate with it. Yeah. Maybe I that I'm a little that. older, a little wiser. But um, one of the things I want to talk about is some of the things are, uh, are, are the cast. We're going to leave the big ones at the end because we all know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I was very surprised to see Paul Gleason in this, the, the, the principal from The Breakfast Club. Yes. Actually, I watched it with my partner, and he pointed that out. And I was like, really? And then I was like, you're right. Is that a bad wig? Because I didn't – it looked like he may have had a wig on. It was, but it I was the same wig he had in The Breakfast Club. Okay. Well, yeah. But I just kept looking. I just kept looking at the detective, going, "Let him take over, because he'll walk into that killer and be like, hey, you mess with the bull, you get the horns, and it will be over.'" That would have been that would have been right up my alley. And unfortunately, he had very minimal screen time overall. He really did. Well, I guess he wasn't much of anybody at no. the time. But then again, neither was James Rebhorn, who was the professor. Yes. He's yeah. He's a big character actor. He's on Homeland now, big star now. Mm-hmm. And. Don Scordino, who played Marvin. Right, Marvin. Did you recognize him? I'll put it. Um, I, I was looking up his information now, and I, he's older, and, and obviously, obviously he's older, but Dirk. he looks more familiar now to me. I, I can't put my finger on it. What's he from? Well, the thing that most of our people would know him from is that he was in the movie Cruising with Al Pacino. Okay. Well, noted. I'll add that to my list because I was, have no he, Yeah, he was in Squirm back in the day, but then he then became a big Broadway director. He did he directed pretty much every episode of Thirty Rock and Two Broke Girls, so he's doing fine. And I love those those, so yes, that's that's the wonderful career to have. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That's a bit it for now. And of course, the big big surprise in this movie is that it is the screen debut of whom? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, who I love. Uh huh, and you know it was really nice to see him acting in a way that was just free and unencumbered of all those like heavy Oscars he has to tote around all the time now. Yes, yeah, I kept hunting for him, and I kept saying because everyone was so much younger. I was like, well, maybe that's Tom Hanks, um, and and my partner was like, no, that's clearly not. I'm like, well, I don't know. Like it's, the guy in the opening sequence in the car, I was like, that's got to be Tom Hanks. No, that's <laughs> that's Russell Todd from Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Right. Well, and you know, it's just, it, I my mind was working overtime. I understand. Really. Is, I, is she Tom Hanks? How about her? Is she Tom Hanks? Yeah, everyone. Is that everyone. girl with the tits out? Is right. she Tom Hanks? I was so eager. I, was just, I couldn't wait. <laughs> That's adorable. That's adorable. All right, so we're just going to go through the plot as it is. I got to say, the opening scene is pretty damn good. I was I was going to say the same thing. The first sequence, the moment I 
knew I was in it to win it was when I saw the hand go up the shirt, like the second shot into the film. Um, oh, hey, okay. Yeah, uh-huh, we're, like, well, wasting, wasting. Yeah. <laughs> we're going a certain direction with this, this, you know, this masterpiece, and I was happy to see that. So, yeah, it definitely that opening sequence was very uh, was solid. Okay, so you want to tell the folks what's going on in the opening sequence? Um, so in the opening sequence of the film, uh, you see a car parked in an, uh, a desolate forest. Uh, wise choices are being made. Two people are making out in the back seat. Uh-huh. Uh, and typical sequence of events happens. You hear the sounds outside. The girl gets nervous. The guy wants to feel up on her tits. It's not going over well. She keeps hearing the noises, and she makes him go outside and check. Then she sits there for a moment. She grabs a flashlight. She goes outside. She sees he's hanging from a tree hitting on the window. A very standard fare, but well executed. Uh-huh. But it turns out that's not really happening. No, it turns out it's really a movie within a movie, which I do love that twist. I do, too. I do, too. I bought it because at this time, you know, it's 1980. Like, Friday the 13th, I don't think it even come out yet mm-hmm. when this movie was out. Right. So it, and it's totally aping Halloween. Oh, my God. I, like, I sat down and wrote a list of notes, and, like, because I really wanted to, like, come at this with some ammunition, and I was, I would say every three notes mentioned something that I thought was blatantly ripped off Halloween. Not just even subtle. Like, direct sequences. Like, when she looks out the window. Yeah. And uh, he's standing in the bushes. I, I thought they, like, literally took the shot from Halloween and just uh-huh. and it. the music, <sighs> the main theme, is completely Oh, out. my God. Yeah, I wrote that too. It's so blatantly ripping off Halloween. Like, they weren't even subtle about it. No, they weren't. Well, why would you be at that point? Uh, valid. That's I what's going to sell. True. But, it, it, you know, it's the lack of originality, I think, in, in some of the sequences that did, you know, pull from the film. Like, even the shot of her walking down the sidewalk. Now, yeah. you know, she wasn't followed. But the pan down from the trees, it... It was so glaringly ripping it off that I, it, it didn't even seem like a homage-style material, if that makes no. sense. It just it was glaring. No, and the only reason I can justify such blatant – and this is me. This is me just trying to be devil's advocate here – is that this mm-hmm. is the days before home video right. and, and like HBO was only really breaking on the scene now. So you know these people had only seen the movie in 1978 mm-hmm. and Valid. haven't seen it since. Right, right. So they, they weren't able to go back and compare. Yeah. Right. That so, make, makes sense. Yeah, so you could steal things a bit more easier back in mm-hmm. the day. Now, watching it this time, the thing that struck me is that the acting in this is actually damn good. I'll agree with you in some areas. In some areas. I mean, really sometimes like the dialogue the is terrible. It has separate the dialogue from the yeah. acting, but for the most part, there's, these they're, they're likable girls. They are, yeah. Um, I really like Nancy. I think uh-huh. she was my favorite. She seemed the most balanced uh, yes. in the sense of her execution of the of the character and just who she was, and and she did seem very forced with her delivery. And even when she had a cheese dicky line, yeah, which there were many cheese dicky oh. lines, oh, yes, she still delivered it in a, with a believability. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, I liked her too. She was like you said, she was grounded, which mm-hmm. is odd sure. for a movie like this. And I liked their main girl too. I liked Amy. Amy, yes, I I liked. Again, I, I what you said with it being the dialogue, because uh, some of the dialogue so wouldn't. I liked the actress. Yes. But I didn't like a lot of the choices that they gave her. Um, yes. That in turn made me feel that she was a thinner character. Uh, for example, 
a sequence. There's a sequence where she uh, finds. I don't want to give anything away, but she finds something violent involving goldfish, yes. and she's backing up. And that whole sequence, uh, with you know, without trying to mention exactly what's happening, I do you know the moment I'm talking? Oh, about? Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. And when we had the we had the viewing this afternoon, I commented, "She's taking this really well." She's taking it really well. There's a complete lack of reaction. She's blinking a lot. So, may, but like, it's just. It's not. It doesn't. It's not a reasonable reaction to me. Now, is it the actress's fault? No, not necessarily. Probably she did not. No, execute it well, but the direction was very awkward at times. Yeah, yeah, I will give you that. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I liked her, and even and up until her running around the house, um, giggling, mm-hmm. play catch me, catch me. I really enjoyed Joyce too. Yeah, Joyce was obviously. I mean, again, going back to the Halloween thing, everything was. So so based off that material, you had yeah, the three girls. Three girls. Yes. So she was obviously the PJ Souls. Yes. Down to the first kill, down to the 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 stylization of the first kill. Yeah, like, right. We weren't even being subtle. Yeah. You know that character was obviously based off that material in every fa- facet. You know. Yes. All right. Okay. So now, okay, we've gone ahead of ourselves, and that's totally cool. Um, now, like <laughs> we said in this first scene, which is cool, like you said, we're watching this movie in the movie theater, and now we're following two gals. Yes. Who were watching the movie. And right. one of them is like, I can't handle this movie. I'm going to the ladies' room. Like the lady she is. Like the lady she is. And I, I loved it too because it's, it's one of those theaters that could tell that it was nice now once, but it's a dump now, which is totally the way place that you would see one of these movies. Exactly. <laughs> Back in the day before mm-hmm. uh, multiplexes and stuff. And – what I what and this is me too, just being the directory type. The only reason that you know that she's a bride beforehand is she takes a cursory glance at her engagement ring while she's brushing her hair before she pees, which I thought was an interesting choice. That that whole sequence of her going into the bathroom was very interesting. She was so confident looking in that mirror. Yeah, like she just stopped for a moment. And she's like, "You are doing things right." Right. That's the what I said. Jacket over she, a turtleneck. Yeah, she brushed her hair. She looked at that ring and she says, "I've got it going on." She's like the Virginia Slims ad. You come a long way, baby. Yep, at a girl. Yeah, and her outfit was rocking for the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh-huh. I was thinking that. Uh huh. And what I appreciated that that this girl was not coming off as your usual dippy horror movie girl. Right, right. Yeah, I was. Despite the know, fact that she's about to pee on camera, which is one of my you know uh, a horror movie tropes that I cannot stand. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I wasn't. I, I was like, I'm looking at the character, the way they are displaying her. In that opening sequence, I was like, are they going to have this girl piss on camera? She doesn't strike me as a kind of, of character I would see be on camera, but they really just out of left field with that one. Yeah, but they did it – actually, they did it rather discreetly. They did. There, Very there was, no, there was There was no tinkly noises. No. I was I was impressed. Uh-huh. I love the eyeball shot, too, of her looking through the crack. I mean, I know it's cliche, but, like, there was something very – um. Almost like Dario Argento for a moment with it. Yeah, that was the other thing. There were a lot of decent shots in this as well. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, the coloration and everything was really rich. Yes, which I appreciate as well. And she realizes that somebody might be following her. She's hearing weird noises in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And she totally plows into an extra coming down the stairs who does not react either. Not at all, but that was her <laughs> moment and she ran with it. <laughs> She's like, I, that girl really had to pay. <laughs> She's like, I know that you literally just punched me in the stomach by accident while you're running up the stairs, but I don't have time to react to you because now I really have to pay. She was older, so she may have been in like a depends situation. Okay, good. That. Yes, because you know, older older people in a depends situation at a horror movie can get really scary really fast for everybody. 
really messy. Totally. Totally. And she goes back to the movie and she's talking to her friend. She's like, I think there's somebody following me. And the friend's just like, oh, stop. It's just the movie. You're freaking out. And what happens? Scream 2 happens. Scream 2 does happen. Down? I mean, like, we're saying shot for fucking shot. I mean, it was... I knew it was going that route. I Once I could tell what was happening, I knew that character was going to die. I was shocked at how similar the sequence was. But yeah, she's killed. Yeah. She's yeah. killed. And her poor friend, who I was really hoping would be a character that would carry through the rest of the film. She seemed fun. She seemed fun. She was sassy. She had a little bit of attitude. Um, but we never saw her again. But that freeze frame on her face when she's screaming. Yeah. What happens is they're watching the movie, and uh, while they're watching the movie, you see somebody come down the aisle and sit directly behind our main mm-hmm. gal. Mm-hmm. No face. No face. So you know this is bad. Right. But and, eyes. Yeah, oh, yes, yes. This this killer is very sweaty, very bulgy-eyed. And very Donald Trump in the, the white circles around the eyes with a very very red skin tone so it was very like tan lines yes so clearly he was not in a mental hospital because you know, or if he did he had one with a tanning bed i don't know what was going on but no he sits down behind her and then he just waits mm-hmm. he waits for a scary part in the movie because that was the other thing i was noticing when she went to the bathroom you heard the audience screaming and i miss those days yeah i miss yeah. those days when you would go to a horror movie and audiences would scream not ironic <laughs> screaming screaming yeah. screaming but he, wait, he waits for the whole audience to scream, and when he does, he just stabs her right through the back of the chair. Yeah, and then she's gone. With a little twist and a wiggle of the knife, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I liked, I, I mean, I, I liked that it was subtle execution. It wasn't, like, extremely over-the-top gory. Um, because I, when I realized what they are doing with the screaming in the movie, actually, I thought it was a really strong opening kill. Yeah. I really, it was a good way to start it off. Um... And yeah, it was a great sequence. It really was. Yeah, and then she slumps. Yeah, she stumps, slumps over on her friend. Her friend's like, "Oh, you're so scared." And then she sees blood and screaming. And then the movie starts. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a really strong opening, and it is totally stolen from Scream Two. And they were able to do that because nobody remembers this movie. <laughs> right. When, they bring, when you bring up this movie, people remember Tom Hanks. And that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Even though he's in it for about thirty-five seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Which is was surprising. Because he was still, even without you know being an older film, he was still billed pretty early on in the credits. So I was expecting a lot more Tom Hanks action. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what can you do? We can write the. <laughs> we can add stuff in now. Exactly. Of <laughs> this much older Tom Hanks just shows up. He's like, I remember that day. I feel like he'd do it. <laughs> oh, he would totally do it. I just saw him on David Letterman. They have a thing with him talking about it on David Letterman. He has no shame. He's no, he, and he's he's he makes fun of the movie as is in, in a very proud way, right? So he's right. like, it's one of the movies because we're gonna get to the scene. He's like, it's one of the it's one of these kinds of movies where like an actress will walk through a room and in the back of the room is a knife rack. <laughs> yes, no, yes, exactly. And then when she walks past the knife, there's a knife missing from the knife rack. That's the kind of movie it is, which is exactly what happens. I would, uh, I, I would love to see him talk about the film because being someone who's made such progress, which it made me think of George Clooney in uh, in uh, Return to Whore High. Uh-huh. In the kind of style of, you know, early uh-huh. one of their earliest roles. Not I, I'm much more of a fan of his work from Return of the Killer Tomatoes myself, but I'm completely with you there. 
Yes. So, uh, but I would love to hear him talk about the movie now. I think uh, I completely get this. Probably having like a close place in his heart, being well, sure, such an early. Yeah, form. it's your mm-hmm. first big movie role. Yeah. And yeah, but it's tons of fun. Uh, anyway, we're not talking about him right now. But yeah, so now the movie starts in for real, and you meet this detective dude who is like, ah, God. Why'd you bring what? me down? Why'd you bring me down here? Blah to this movie theater because this dead chick and I'm like, well, she was gonna get married next week and he's like, da da da, it's him. Yeah, that moment of realization was really out of nowhere. You know, unfortunately, this character kind of goes nowhere. Yeah, he's very awkward. Well, he, I, well I mean, he does. It, just it's the writing. He's on screen a lot, but like, there's not much to his story. Yeah, it turns out that this guy, long time ago. Killed his bride to be on their wedding day. So he has like a uh, he's out for revenge, and he suspects that this guy is. I think he even says it. He's like he's coming back for me. Yeah, and, a, and he makes it sound like this has been happening a lot. Mm-hmm. Like this is not his first time back. Like he has been doing this a lot recently, but we don't really find out anything about that, which is kind of a we bummer. Don't. But the thing is, what I did like about this guy said it had this movie been like maybe three or four years later, Tom Atkins would have totally been in that role, rocking that mustache. Oh, that mustache! It was such a beautiful era. It was. was just... It was. Instead, he was bringing us some Tom Skerritt alien reel in this, and that's fine too. Right. But if this movie had been made five years later, then it would totally have been. Tom Atkins, and it would have been even more amazing. Yeah, though I will take this guy for what he was because I don't know, like I don't understand some of the character choices. But like you notice in the first sequence, he's like hacking into a handkerchief, and like I was like, is this illness going to be like? Does he have cancer? Is it something a backstory? I didn't catch that. Like yeah, if you I was watching the sequence of that first sequence, he comes down, he's like he's like coughing. And I didn't know if it was like a character choice, but it was never revisited. So right. I, I, maybe I was paying too much attention to yeah, it. Yeah, it was probably we're shooting this in 15 days. The guy's got a cold. We've got to deal with it. <laughs> the budget is limited. Yes, we don't have time for reshoots, okay? Uh, yeah, and actually, and just just since we're, we're stopped for a moment, the thing that actually turned me off when I watched it you know, in that secondary era as a somewhat older person was like, wow, this movie's got no blood. Oh my god, that was the same thing. I was, I literally wrote a note. I was like, "How are these kills so lackluster?" Well, I'm also thinking because they're aping Halloween. Right, but Halloween didn't have any blood either. Right, absolutely. But and Friday the Thirteenth hadn't happened yet, so yeah, Halloween had suspense though. Yeah, and I think they tried to go for. I mean, I really think they tried to execute suspense, but because they were ripping off material, I don't think they invested enough energy into that, which is a shame because. There's one scene that stood out to me as being suspenseful and elegantly executed. Uh, aside from that, a lot of the kills could have been, I think, a lot better. Uh, for example, in the um, the bridal shop. Yes. I knew it was going to happen. It happened. Uh-huh. But it didn't happen the way I wanted it to. Does that okay. make sense? No, I get that. I get that. I, 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 I have to chalk up a lot of that just due to the age of it. I'm like, this was the... Really, even before the golden age of slashers, they didn't know no better yet. Right, I get it. And we are savvy modern viewers, so I have to always take that with a little bit of a pill. But watching it now, I kind of appreciated the character play a bit more. And what they were doing with that, like I kind of realized how funny these characters were mm-hmm. when they didn't have awful dialogue and awful things to do. And I remember at the time, I loved Marvin, and now I hate Marvin. 
Oh my god. There was a serious Smoochie. S- Smoochie. Mm-hmm. That's okay. She's um, attacking I'm, just, her I'm surprised by how um rapey some of the male characters were. I, Marvin is very rapey. Who's Marvin? Yeah. Marvin is the former boyfriend of Amy who he went off he says he went away for a summer. She fell in love with Phil, yes. who is now fiance. Mm-hmm. And Marvin is steadfast he he's determined to get her back at what seems to be at any cost yeah um, to a comfortable level yeah like it had this been a different movie if we did not know the identity of the killer i'd be like oh it could be him right and but again, it's not that movie so. yeah absolutely it felt like another almost to a certain extent rip off of another slasher black christmas that whole energy oh, yeah. between between the leads yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You're right, um, but it, again, as you said, with other you know with the other storyline with the detective, the follow through was awkward. It wasn't executed well. He made him seem very creepy, but I think at the same time it was supposed to be the male protagonist. Yeah, he's totally episode. supposed to be the male protagonist, and you want you're supposed to want her to be with him. But I think with the modern viewer, you're like this guy can't take no for an answer, and that's not okay. It's not okay. And you know who else gave me some severe creeper vibes? Who's that? To another rapey level was the priest. <laughs> yes, well, that's because he's a priest. Well, touche, but she was a, a middle-aged – she was like a, a 19-year-old girl, so I don't understand how that would have any effect. But um, no, that being said, it was, that was a very awkward scene to me as well. I felt like everyone was trying to bang this woman. Uh-huh. Even the cat that was playing the organ. Oh, my God, that cat. Yeah, I, the fact I, they even mentioned a cat, I was thrilled. Well, at least it didn't get thrown at someone's face, which is what normally happens in these things. Right. Uh, yeah, um, what else we're we gonna talk about here? Yeah, I when we meet there are our first three girls. They're in dance class, which is another awkward choice. Which is what? Another awkward choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of love that Joyce, who actually I remember from Days of Our Lives because I was an avid Days of Our Lives watcher in college. So I was like, oh, it's her. Right. That's awesome. That, that you know this this girl can't do the choreography at all, and therefore just chooses to completely not even try to do the choreography and makes it a joke. I'm like, that's smart. <laughs> right. I was watching and I was like, I saw her like, uh, you know, everyone's a, whatever the freaking dance move is, plie, where they're yeah. lifting their legs to the side. I'm like, this girl don't give two fucks about this dance class. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. And this was something that I caught. This time, right? I like watching things with other people because I'll pay more attention to it and catch weird things. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the first part of the scene, Joyce goes, "Ah, thank God, there's only 15 minutes left to class." And then a couple of minutes later, the teacher's like, "Okay, we're gonna have a five minute break." There was another moment in the movie. And I, what? Oh, what? <laughs> um, what? I feel like I swear to God, when they're at that fair, there's he's like, "I wish there were some roller coasters." And then when they're getting into the Carts. I'm like, is that a roller coaster in the background? It seemed like there was a lot of inconsistencies with this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, but I just thought that was a funny thing. I was like, well, okay, oh, okay. And right. when it, and I think it was uh, Tara in the room said, "It's the 1980s. They have a smoke break every five minutes." I said, "Yes," and they're dancers, so yes, that would be correct. Yes, because yeah. as as I know, a friend of mine who went to Juilliard said, their first day as a dancer, the first day. The Teacher's like, here's a pack of cigarettes for everyone. That's what you get to eat all week. <laughs> hey, if the diet works, I stick to it. Yeah, sure. Hey, <laughs> the Scream Queens Horror Podcast does not recommend eating cigarettes. Thank you. Um, but what I also thought was really 
uh, interesting. I don't know how good your print was, but on my DVD print, Amy's nipples are completely visible. Oh, and, and when, they're, when they're doing through the, her leotards, yes. And I I'm not talking. I'm not talking, listeners. I'm not talking about like, oh, you can see the bumps of her nipples. Like, no, you can see the whole shadow of her areola. This shit is too sheer to be used in a movie, especially on your final girl. I wonder if she noticed. There's nobody and told us. I don't it was, know. It was glaring. Like the I nipples were very, very prominent. I don't know. Well, her other movie that she did years earlier, I think it's Savage Weekend, which is a terrible movie. Never watch it. And the director's cut, she's butt naked most of the time. So if she noticed, she probably wouldn't have cared or would have asked right. for more money. But whatever. Like, don't, don't tell Amy. <laughs> we hate her. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, Joyce is like the the one who's obsessed with sex, and Nancy's the more moderate, sane one. And Joyce is having an affair with her their philosophy professor. She is. Yeah. And he's, he's kind of a tool. He is kind of a tool. But you know what? I hated his wife. His wife had one line. And I'm like, I don't like her. Oh, yeah. They run yeah. into him on the street after dance class. And like, oh, my God, the professor, should we say something? And just have the scene of his wife going, well, they said we can only go on Tuesday, but I want to go on Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm like, shut up, bitch. <laughs> I don't care about your problems. Um, she read severely older than him as well. I felt it was it, she was very hard to look at. Uh huh. Well, that's why that's why he's running around with a freaking freshman. It makes sense. Uh huh. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But I'm trying to think what else can we talk about? Oh yeah. This, so I, I one of the things that I enjoyed. You mentioned the scenes of Amy walking about town, like her going to her bridal mm-hmm. dress appointment and going to the ice cream shop. They have this jaunty ass traveling music for her (laughs) what is this some video game music it's amazing it is like an MIDI file same with when they're jogging it's just like jovial and happy um, it's like this. It's almost seventies porn music, but not quite. Right. You could almost and, see. You could almost see it in like a Peanuts cartoon, like if it was on the piano. Which is so awkwardly contrasting the tone of everything else in the movie. But I loved it because it was so cheesy. Speaking of that ice cream sequence, um, my, my 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 boyfriend pointed this out just to give an example of how bad some of this dialogue is. The girl, you know, Amy walks in and she goes up to the ice cream counter and she says, I'll have an ice cream cone. And the ice cream parlor attendant says, what kind? And she's like, oh, like completely taken aback by the question and not at all prepared. And I, I, I'm so you go into an ice cream parlor, you're obviously going to want to get an ice cream cone. Why would you order anything without even perusing the flavors? Everything was just very awkward to me. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was, and it was a very long decision making process too. And I'm thinking time's money. You're just like, this is, this is actually in the film. This is in the film right now. (laughs) You're actually showing her making the decision of what flavor to buy in a slasher movie. Right. Like we know you're being followed. And this is at least, Interesting thing. And, and very obviously followed. Like, the man is just standing through the window. No mask, mind you. Well, the killer doesn't don a mask. Yeah, well, you know, like I said, it was the 80s. They didn't need masks back then. Well, if he was wearing a mask on the streets of, of, of Staten Island in the middle of the Too winter, sure. he probably would have stood out quite a bit. It wasn't Halloween. He, he could have worn a hockey, like, or like a, one of those pullover ski masks or something. People would have been uncomfortable, but I don't think they would have questioned it. No. 
No. Oh, that's true, because it was clearly cold. It was clearly yes, cold, because so, that's when you go to the amusement park when it's seven degrees. Would, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Wee! I'm on the tilt-a-whirl, and my earlobe just fell off from frostbite. Wee! <laughs> In the middle of this barren, wooden wasteland. And it's packed! <laughs> oh, it's packed. packed. And there's no life anywhere. Everything is dead trees. Dead trees. It's freezing. It's ice cold. People are spinning around. Yeah, it's... It looks like the most unpleasant experience one could have, not um, to get ahead of ourselves. No, that's fine. We're going to jump around, and that's totally cool. So, yeah, so we meet the three girls, and then we meet, you know, you know we find out that Paul, Amy's fiancé, is going away for his bachelor's weekend and taking all the boys. So all the girls them. are going to be alone for the weekend. And we find out not only are they going to meet, like, Janet and Evelyn and some other clearly slutty 70 girls' name, not only – do they have the hottest porns ever made? But there might be a bear. Yes. And now, of course, this is me. I'm picturing, like, in the midst of all this, like, and by the way, Paul, here's a hairy, sweaty leather man for you. Perfect. Yes. No, it was very – even when he was in uh, – when you you see him for a moment later in the movie sitting shirtless with his, like, pants unbuttoned, uh-huh. as you hear men, like, cheering in the background, I'm like, he is at, like, a gay campground getting his ass rammed. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Buy a bear. Buy a bear. <laughs> Buy a two-legged the... bear. Yes. And you know what? I'd be right there with them. Good for you, Paul. Not good for Amy, but good for you. Good for you. Yeah, so if that's what's why the guys are all gone. And and it's it, it's it's a chick's movie, and that's totally fine. The I dug Amy's little sister. I did too. I dug her. I, I just found out today that she was that she was in European vacation. She was Audrey, Chevy Chase's daughter. Wait, she was what? It broke up a little bit. I'm sorry. She was in European Vacation. Oh. As, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, that's why you're funny. Because that kid was funny. You're really going to marry that turkey? I don't like Phil. Marry Marvin. I like him. He makes me laugh and he helps me with my homework. Sometimes Phil helps me with my homework and he gives me the answers all wrong. Besides, Phil's younger brother is even a bigger asshole than he is. She was cute. Yeah, she was with the whole when they were going um, through the House of Horrors and everything. She had some attitude. Uh-huh. I had no idea who she was in relation. Oh. oh like, some t- some random little girl. Finally, under- but um, I, I just didn't know who this child was. There was. She was in a few moments and all of a sudden they're going to the amusement park. Then it made sense. The other thing that shocked me when she was walking around, aside from the boop, 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 was she passed a sign that said cigarettes 69 cents. I was like, what? What? Each? <laughs> what? It wasn't that long ago. No wonder the dancers smoke so much. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Take me back to a better time. Thank you. Cigarettes. 69 cents. Come on now. That's crazy. Inflation. It's not fair. Uh, and taxes and stuff. And oh, yeah, whatever. Cancer. <laughs> whatever. I'll do what I want to my body, damn it. I'll Even if I have black lung. I'll have the sexiest black lung. <laughs> black lungs matter. What? <laughs> that was terrible. The Scream, the Scream Queens podcast does not approve jokes like that. Oh, golly. <laughs> I, yeah, so through the midst of all this, Marvin, who is Don Scordino, who I mentioned earlier, he's popping up, and he's really stalkery, and she's trying to tell him that somebody's following me. Oh, and he's so, like... Totally gaslighting her. 
He's totally gaslighting her. But the thing he's is, so adamant about his it. His line was, "Oh, Amy, who would want to be following you?" I'm like, "Um, you." I get. That's all Absolutely. you've done this movie is follow her and like stalk her when she's trying to put her clothes on in the bridal shop, which we'll come back to. Uh, right. I, I wonder if they were trying to make him in some way, shape, or form a red herring because the dialogue was so. But why would you have a red herring when we already know who the killer is? We've seen him kill everybody. I don't know. Again, and just poor execution, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, he was. It was. It I was think this weird. is supposed to be he wacky, adorable antics. It's just not romantic now. Right. Right. Oh, he really loves her. No, he can't take no for an answer, and it's creepy, and he brings you fish. That's weird. Why are you still bringing me fish? Remember what I told you when I gave you this tank? Mm-hmm. Every time you visit me, you're going to bring me a fish. Correct. Oh, I'm visiting you, and, and that's, that's a, a fish. It's dumb, Marvin. That's really dumb. And another thing about him that was very confusing to me is he was so adamant about getting her. He was at her house, you know, he's following her, it's weird. And then when they commit to like seeing each other, do you feel like during the last couple scenes of the movie he suddenly lost all interest? <laughs> like You mean when she actually let him like, in the house by her own free will? Yes, then he doesn't care anymore. He just doesn't care. And when she gets to the morgue, she's like, I'd be chased, he's killed my friends. He's like, Oh, again. He's like, No. Oh, you still no. don't believe that. Yeah. Yeah, because by the way, we didn't mention that he does work at the morgue. Yes. Yes. Cause to, to make him that, because we have all kinds of funny morgue humor. I'm like, ugh, ugh, ugh. But it did prove for a good final location. It I'll did say that. A, an oddly large final location. Yes, all lots of, sudden, of bodies. Yeah, lots of bodies, and then they went in some tunnel, and it was like this vast subway system. But again, we're out of ourselves. Yeah, so uh, now uh, this is the thing too. The detective keeps saying, "No, he only kills brides to be." Yet in this, he kills everyone around the bride to be. Yes, so all of again, a sudden he's changing tactics. But yeah, he, he she's she's in the bridal shop. And I gotta say, I gotta say, I was kind of anticipating a bridal nightmare given the year that the movie was made. Okay, knowing what my sisters looked like when they got married around that time. Uh, no. Her bridal Go dress on. looked. She looked pretty fierce. Your phone broke up again. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I said, given that it was 1980 or probably 1978 or 1979, her bridal dress. She looked pretty fierce in it. Oh, I can only imagine. It was the finest time for bridal attire. Uh huh. But you know, everything in that store, all the dresses in that store smell like cigars. That, that man, and that like the man selling the dresses was such like a like a, a a man's man. Like, what's this man doing? Like selling fine female attire and stinking it all up with your cigars. I pay extra for, for the cigar smell on my wedding day. Absolutely, like musky like, as you go down the aisle, everyone gets a whiff. It's like cigar stank on your wedding day. <laughs> it's like when the dressmaker I mean, gets murdered when you're looking away. Um, he really was the most unnecessary kill of the film. Yeah. That poor man. Yeah. Uh, there, no reason. No, no. Well, I think he should have died for all that wood paneling that they had in the store. Oh, true. But, I mean, think of the era. I know, I know, no excuse, and Staten Island, and whatever, but I thought he was a cool character, he was a cool character actor, so I'm like, I'm digging this whole vibe, and he was cool with her, except when he was, like, pinning her, like, under her boob or something, he's like, just think of me as your father, I'm like, what? That was weird, that, again, with the rapey vibes from okay. all of them. Again, again, maybe that's just us now. Right. At the time, I'd be like, oh, I remember when my father used to touch me under my boob like that. 
<laughs> cut me gently. Cut me gently. Cut me slowly. Yeah. So and, and this is another, like another really rapey scene is that Marvin pops up in the bridal in the bridal shop, and the guy lets him in, and is sticking his head into the dressing room while she's in her brown panties. It was a different time then. I mean, that's the only thing. I mean, it was just so uncomfortable because at the end of it, he like looks at R- Ralph. That was his name, right, Ralph? Yes. And he's like. Thanks for letting me in, Ralph. And Ralph's like, go get him, Tiger. Like, he, like, is all about it. And the poor girl standing there in her, like, skibbies, covering her supple breasts. Uh-huh. It's very, it was very awkward. Which you've already seen anyway, you know, in silhouette, right. you know, <laughs> through a gauzy cover. But, yeah, and, and, I, and this is the other thing that one of the people in the room brought up. They're like, man, this, because of a scene later, they said, man, the underwear game in the 80s was just not what it is today. <laughs> Not at all. No, because she was in like some little tan brown panty number. There's a pair of brown boxer shorts later, and it's like, oh, it's all bad. Yeah, they, yeah. Not sexy. I'm like, did you know you were in a movie? Did you know you were in a movie? Did you get this from wardrobe, or was this approved by anyone? They use so much more fabric to construct their underwear than they do now. They do. They do. Which I guess they're saving... Trees. Shaving trees. In, the, in the long run. Trees, yes. It's the, the wood the wood that goes into making brass panties, apparently. Yes, exactly. Well done. And the paper. What? It's recycling at its finest. Uh-huh. And you know, it was the 80s. It was all polyester underpants anyway, so it didn't breathe, so it really smelled. But that's not neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought was something that Tom Hanks brought up on David Leonard. He's like, and this guy, you would think this guy who's going to kill bride-to-bees, he would, like, get their information from a registry or be poking around churches or stuff like that. No, in this one, he just overhears a conversation. He's like, oh, I'll kill her. I'll kill that girl then. Here's a bunch yeah. of Boy Scouts singing the, a dirty bridal song. And he literally just gets off the bus, which, I mean, did anyone even recognize this man on the bus? Was it only the children on the I was very confused I know, it, was a bu- it appears to have been a school, a bus full of, of Cub Scouts and one sweaty, right. bulgy-eyed mass murderer. <laughs> exactly. Not at all suspect. I don't know where they were. I don't know where they were coming from. I, I thought it was a private bus at first, but apparently not. Because he wasn't smuggled on the bus. It was just the bus. It was a- he just stood up and walked off. Yes, I'll be murdering all of you. Thank you. Thank you. My my stay here has been – my activities for the weekend have been confirmed. Thank you. <laughs> He's like, God, thanks for that. easier than I expected. Yeah, I'm sure he was pleasantly surprised to find a bride-to-be so easily and so quickly. Uh-huh. Uh, so now he starts knocking off, I guess, her bridesmaid. So he starts off with Joyce, who's going to have a weekend fling with his professor at his house while his wife is away. And – this is the other horror movie trope that drives me crazy. Number one is peeing on camera. I realize it's a time when you're most vulnerable and stuff, and that's why it's scary, but I don't like it. I had to piss on camera before a kill sequence in a movie. Um, and it really was just, uh, I was like, this is it? It's kind of anticlimactic. I'm silently judging you, but... Oh, I'm sorry. Also kind of like... <laughs> Oh, go on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're into that. <laughs> but, but, the, <laughs> wow, that pause got really long, Patrick. Anyway, <laughs> take your time. <laughs> I think we're going to have to do that again. Back to one. Anyway, <laughs> uh, no, but the trope is girls playing catch me, catch me instead of having sex. Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't have any experience sexually with women. Do they do this? 
No. And let me tell you, if anyone did it, male or female, I would be too tired. I would be like, listen, you've got like a 15 minute time span altogether and you're just using all the minutes and I'm too tired to even chase you. I'm not going to want to have sex with you after this. No. A lot of energy. No. I have a busy day. Thank you. Thank you. And if you, if you, and clearly you haven't read the script, you're going to be dead in two pages. Get to work. Get, get the, uh, gather ye rosebuds while he may, as they say. Let's really quickly just acknowledge at this point, because we're in the timeline when it happens, uh, the moment in which the professor hangs his student out of a window and tickles her thighs as like foreplay. Yeah. That seems like a bad choice. It does seem like a bad choice, but to be fair, she was already hanging out the window. She was, but what if she would have like fallen? What story was she on? I guess she had to be on the first floor. She had to be on the her. first floor, but still, that's, that's yeah. far enough to kill you. If you're at, at that angle, you're going to hit your neck and die. Hit your neck. Break yeah, it, sure. yeah. Sure, but I just yeah. feel like the professor, if that were to, you know, I would be very gentle with this woman since, A, he could lose his job. B, he would lose his wife. And, I mean, C, he would probably be charged for murder. So I just, I felt like that was a very awkward choice. Yes, yes. But it gave you the thing of her dangling out the window with the killer standing right there. Yes, it was effective. It was a cheap thrill. Yes, <laughs> one of one of many in this film. Uh huh, uh huh. And of course, this is one of the many, many, many times like the killer just can't get his damn timing right. Yeah, the killer really was not that efficient. No, I mean he's right there. He's going right with the knife, and she got yanked back in for more running yeah. around and stalling. Yeah. And he, the guy even says, "We've been playing catch me, catch me for an hour now." I feel like I did notice that the killer was running with a sort of gimp. Like gimp leg. That was yeah. I, I, you don't really see much of him at the end, but I think that was because he fell off the car. Okay, okay. I didn't know if he just had a, like a hobble. He might have because we don't really see much of him doing we stuff. Don't, otherwise, you're right. he does fall off the car. So that's okay. That makes sense. Yeah. This is when I realized that the movie alternates between the Halloween theme, psycho stab music, mm-hmm. and Jaws. when when dealing with the fish tank, Jaws. <laughs> Yeah, they're actually playing crazy. Jaws music under the fish tank scene, which we're not at yet. But the score was a little bit of everything. You're ripping off from of the, the finest. Classes. Ripping off from the finest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, the the lights go out, and of course you have to stall sex again because she won't have sex in the dark. Whatever. But it gives us more scene time for us to really ogle the professor and his his, his meaty man boobs and his brown boxers. Yes. And his slight, his slight overhang, like a like a beer mug, because he had a little bit of a love handle thing going on, which I'm okay with. I'm totally fine uh, with that too. That's totally mm-hmm. fine. I respect mm-hmm. it. I was totally fine with the meaty man jugs too. That's totally fine. Yeah, absolutely. That's what, I was honest when I said I was ogling. Understood. Um, I like them thick. I like them cut thick, like my steaks. Um, but that, go on. Yes. With the with the professor, he said one of my favorite lines in the movie, and it's when she turns the lights off. He goes, Joyce. You know I don't like the dark. And I was like, is this a grown man? Uh-huh. And where did this come from? It's not like a it's not like a storyline where like for some reason he doesn't like the dark. I just seemed so forced and out of nowhere. Uh, well, I just assumed he didn't like to to do it in the dark. If he likes to do it on the table, he probably likes to <laughs> see what he's doing. To wash her eyes as she gets rammed against the wooden counter and the paint. Uh-huh. And, and you have to see her face by. just in case like because if it's an IKEA table, you know, it's going to collapse. Exactly. Uh-huh. Looking around with fear. Sure, uh-huh. Banging your head on the cutting board. All that great stuff. All that good stuff that happens. 
Absolutely. Uh huh. So yeah, he has to go investigate and stuff. And while he's investigating the fuses, she gets killed in the bed off camera. Again, which it was at that point when it was another off camera, I was like, okay, you get one, you get one off camera, but at this point, you're just being lazy. And this was a weird one because you didn't even get a sense that the killer was around. Well, like here's one of my issues room. with the overall film, and, and I actually wanted to bring this up at this point. One of the things, I mean, the movie itself, it's shot well and everything, but there's some technical glitches. Yes. I mean, some shots are really out of focus, and I don't think they were intended to be. And the audio is actually really bad mm. um, for, for, you know, for something that was released as a major piece of cinema. Um, uh, you'll notice you hear when the audio comes in and out with the dialogue. You can literally hear the levels changing. And the sound effects, I think one of the reasons some of the suspense sequences didn't work as well is because, like, the footfalls, you know, because they used a lot of that, the sound uh-huh. of footfalls. They were never... I didn't catch that, and that, that could be your print. Uh, maybe, because I... No, when I watched... I didn't catch I, that I, at all, I, but... Okay, maybe... But you, you, are, you are more sensitive to these things than I am, possibly, as well, so that is also a valid thing. I get that. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, they were cranking this shit out, so... Valid. 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 15, shoot, 15 days of shooting. Right. And, and a man with a head cold, so you got to get him on and off set. Yes. Yes, he comes back and finds a day, and he gets the shit stabbed out of him. Yes. And it's disturbing in its own right because instead of normally in this kind of thing, you'd see knife entering body. Mm-hmm. The whole scene, the whole kill scene is just a super tight close-up of the killer's face. Yeah, which was which was one of the times I appreciated not seeing a mask because it was effective. It was that effective because he is stabbing the shit, a like crazy stabbing, while with yeah. the starey bulging eyes, and it's mm-hmm. it's it, it that's an effective little piece of thingy. Yeah. And we get a lot more wandering around now because we have character building, and you know, well, we have Nancy's love interest, the mysterious jogger that she's trying to seduce. Tom Hanks. Uh huh. But what I think is funny, like her, her, uh, they have her surprise bridal shower before this, and uh, the next morning Marvin shows up and brings her a fish because that's apparently a thing. Every time I come and visit you, I'll bring you a goldfish. Yeah, that was very weird. And even she was like, I don't, I don't get it. Whatever. But like, stop bringing me these fish, please. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I don't have a tank for them. It's really weird. Uh, no, she does. She does. But the kid comes in. The uh, Nancy's complaining. She's got a hangover. And the kid comes in. She's like, oh, I had too much cake at the party. And they both wind up vomiting. And then, hour, and then like an hour later, they go to the amusement park and are on all the spinning rides. I'm like, yeah. the kid was vomiting an hour ago. They must have gotten out of their system. She did. She's ready to go. She's going to shove down some cotton candy and go. You you grab, again, well, whatever. Just get to have your jollies while you can, kid. Whatever. Uh, yeah, more Marvin creepiness, more gaslighting. And there's a fun jogging sequence with more beep, 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 where they have a little meet cute for Nancy and Tom Hanks. Yes, and I, um, I like I said a little earlier, I... I I kind of liked Tom's character, and not just because it's Tom Hanks. I actually liked where they were kind of going with it, with him being a psychology major, I think they said. Yeah, he's a psychology major. Yeah, and that whole conversation that they had then about the concept of fear and how it intrigues him, because that's something that, you know, being in horror movies, I do love the idea of why people are... Sure. Why people pay to see something that gives them the feeling of fear. 
Um, but that was an interesting little conversation that they had. Uh-huh. Um, and I wish that they would have kind of... Um, I wish they would have carried through on his character because he does kind of drop off. He immediately drops off after that, and that's sad. Well, he's supposed to meet Nancy later, but uh, when they get home, uh, Amy tells Nancy, I saw the guy again at the amusement park, which she does because even Tom Hanks is not gaslighting her. But he's saying, you know, oh, it's probably a manifestation of your nerves about the wedding and gives all this psychological nonsense about why she's probably not really seeing what she's seeing. And that's cool. That's fine. It's just more reason for her to, you know. Keep seeing this guy and not freak out. But she yeah. tells Nancy she sees him again. He's and Nancy says, "Well, I'll just gonna cancel my date with Tom. Then I'm gonna stay here with you." And I mm-hmm. said, "Don't do that. Don't cancel that date because now he's gonna meet this mermaid. And now forget it. You're gone now. Forget it." A flash. Oh, now uh-huh. you're speaking my language. Uh huh. Ah, you know ah, ah, that's your language right there. And a girl. Uh-huh. You know they're remaking Splash really quick. You're aware of that, right? Yes, with a boy mermaid. Yeah, you hate right? him. Yes, a mermaid. Mm-hmm. A mermaid. A mermaid man. A mer- man made. What man? A man? Ooh, man made. What? Merman. Man made. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know. I'm behind that. I'm behind that. I mean, I'm behind Channing Tatum in a fin. So I'm behind that too, but only if they give him like long hair and the hair is like plastered over his nipples the whole time, so you can't see them. I needed to have the energy of one of the Brady Bunch movies where they completely just parody the concept. That would be cute. It won't happen, but it would be cute. Well, actually, right. they could because he is good at comedy. He's really good at comedy, and he's a little bit of a butterface, but that body don't quit. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, well, you know, I, I, mean, I wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating crackers, no, sir, as the, as the saying yeah. says. I'm preaching the choir. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I distracted you with talk of Channing Tatum. I just had to ask your opinion on the Splash remake because it's important. Well, I brought up Splash. I opened the door, and we went through the door. Yeah, and Daryl Hannah came through. And one of the one of the people in the room today, because uh, uh, Amy and her sister go on the House of Horror ride at this amusement park, mm-hmm. and one of the one of the people in the room said, "If only these things were actually this scary." Oh my God! Yeah, terrifying. Uh huh. Because normally the scariest thing is is the fear of possibly getting scabies from the seats. Well, I feel like Amy was really just shaken and stirred up to that point. So I was thinking that maybe she was just overreacting. No, she was totally but, um, overreacting. She was totally, totally overreacting. overreacting. But I mean, even in my worst moment, I would. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm so desensitized to these things. But haunted houses, I'm normally the one leading the way through. But sure. I mean, it looked like a good fucking time sure. as they drove plummeted towards that gigantic skull. Uh huh. Uh-huh, I, which was – yeah, yeah. I, but normally – I've been to enough of these like boardwalk, ride-through haunted house things to know they last about 30 seconds. <laughs> right. And they're never this good. They were never that yeah. good. Never. Yeah, never. Like if any of the things inside work, you're lucky. There was a definite vibe of like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, yeah. There's no way of when knowing yeah, like, direction You know what I'm going. talking about. Yeah. But the rowers keep on rowing. Yeah, that's the one. Sure thing. Exactly. Yeah. But now, uh, so we're, we're back at the house, and Amy has to take her sister to some slumber party. The kids got a full weekend. Between the, oh, God. Between the bridal shower and the amusement park and the slumber party she's going to, that kid's got a social calendar that cannot be beat. And a lot of cake. And vomiting. <laughs> Excessive amounts. <laughs> So yeah, so Nancy's left alone for a while. So you know, of course, now she, what are you gonna what are you gonna do when you're left alone? You don't have a date. You get your knobs out and take a shower. Absolutely. And and she, one of my favorite things about that moment is if you listen 
to Nancy as she's showering, she's literally singing la 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 la. Like I I've never actually heard someone sing la la la. Um, uh, you haven't been around my house much. There's always okay. impromptu concerts and dance recitals just happening. Well, I mean, I sing to myself, but I'm I sing like "Bleeding Love" by Leona Lewis when I'm in the shower. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. But I mean, she was just kind of inaudibly, just kind of. I think no, just make it- I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say nay to that because she was not inaudible. She kind of had like proper placement, diaphragm. La 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 la. It was it was very it was an audition piece. Yes. And, and as she's as she's yeah. studying her boobs. Yes, her breasts. I mean, good rack. I will say that. I'm used to in movies like this getting a spare, or like a, a a handful or less. But she was busking at the seams. Uh huh. And of course, it's 1980, so they're not plastic, which is nice. No, no, she had a good thing going for her. An oddly non-erotic scene. Yeah, and not particularly exploited for this kind of a movie too, which was refreshing as an adult mm-hmm. after all this rapey subtext. Yes. But of course, we missed the scene. <laughs> Before she gets in the shower is the scene where she's in the kitchen. Yes. And behind her on the wall is this gigantic knife rack full of the gig- biggest knives you could possibly the imagine. The knives I've ever seen. They're, they're like they're like scythes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's like medieval weaponry on the wall behind her. Like five or six knives. And then she walks out of frame. And then she walks back into frame. And one of them is gone. Which, when I was 11, was the scariest thing ever. Absolutely. Of course, now it's kind of like horror movie 101, but at the time, it was like, oh, oh, oh. Right. I mean, there were a lot of things. I will give this movie a moment of credit. There were a lot of things in this that had become standard tropes. But at that point, they weren't. It was 1981, I think, is when this came out. 1980. 1980, okay. And so, I mean, that, at that time... that would have been very effective. Now, at this point, we've seen it, you know, how many times. We've, someone takes out the knife, knife puts it on the counter, they come back, and the knife's gone. Yeah. But um, I thought it was really, I thought it was a well-executed moment. Yes, the knives were comedically large. I don't know what someone would be cutting, a full loaf of bread down the center, perhaps. Uh-huh. But, um, uh, you know, if you, had a, if you had to, you know, dismember an elk. Exactly. Perhaps. Yeah. Like, obviously, her family is hunters. But, uh-huh. um, but it, was, it was actually, like, that whole, that whole sequence... Starting there and progressing all the way through, you know, everything yeah. happens to her, yeah, without giving too much away. Um, I thought it was actually well, really well played. I thought too. And the thing, even though everybody makes fun of the knife rack thing, what I appreciate is the restraint of the movie, and that they don't give you like a close up of it. There's no musical stinger to indicate anything. It's just in yep. the background. I mean, you can't yep. not notice it, but they at least gave you the the feeling that you were noticing something, right? Secret. Right, right. Which I appreciate what they tried to do. Mm-hmm. And so now she's just going to, you know, she's going to put on some, like, cool fake Bee Gees music. Light up a freaking doobie. Light up all the candles in the world and have a glass of wine and get stoned and watch that fish tank. Which makes me now terrified for my life because that is every evening I uh, have. Every evening. So now I'm scared. It's the night again. We're all right. Get, I remember this was on TV so much. I remember we. Oh my God, this is just coming back in a flash. I remember a bunch of us singing that on the school bus. 
this the, the song that she's listening uh-huh, to. All the lost sweet dreams are coming true. Whatever that means. I think we need to find the soundtrack for this movie for you and see if it like opens up the memory. Oh, again. I found it. I found the single. Oh. I found the single on YouTube. <laughs> okay, because that same there is a song in the opening sequence too that really tickled my fancy. The song that they were listening to. Oh, whatever that disco thing is in the car is yeah. pretty fantastic <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah, I very agree. Good. I agree, good. and I remember even as a kid, this sequence bored me a bit because nothing is really happening. She's just laying down and smoking. And actually, just uh, previous to this, when she was in the shower, uh, one of the people in the room was like, hey, your boobs are out. Great. This movie has everything. And I said, all it's missing is a dance sequence and a montage. And it would be the perfect film. Absolutely. And then you see her putting on the uh, you see her putting on the record. And the guy was like, oh, dance sequence. Two minutes later, I'm like, well, yeah, it's that laying down, doing nothing kind of dancing. But yeah, sure, why not? Good. Because it's just her with the headphones on, smoking, and just chilling out. And at the time, I was bored by it. But now, not so much, because now I appreciated the fact that they had the balls to show you the guy coming blatantly in the room, walking slowly across the room at her. I loved it. Yeah, and she's just oblivious because she's got the headphones on and her eyes closed in the doom bur- doobie burner. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's that's mm-hmm. that was pretty ballsy. It was, and you know what I liked too is is they didn't crescendo the music when he came out. Um, you almost had to like you kind of had to no, let your he, get drawn to it cause yeah because you you were being lulled lulled into a sense of security by the sweet sweet sounds of fake Barry Gibb. Absolutely. Uh huh. Sorry, I got my my cats are battling in the upstairs. I hold on. I oh think my everything's god, okay. this is they, so unprofessional. I know. The one cat rapes the other, and I don't know how to get them to stop it. Ah, uh, you can't. It's a, it's a dominance thing. It's not sex. I know. I know. It just sounds like raping. It makes me feel bad. Okay, they're done. They're okay. done. <laughs> they're done raping. <laughs> they're done raping. Yeah, I remember when uh, I, mean, cause I used to have two cats, and they were brothers, and they would do that. and be like, stop that! You're related! I'm not going to have gay, incestuous kitties. This is fucked up. <laughs> I won't have homosexuality in my house. I will, but you're related. <laughs> That's just gross. And of course, this this results in the thing that everybody remembers about this movie, besides Tom Hanks, is that poor Nancy's head winds up in the damn fish tank. Oh my gosh! And what a head that is. What a head that is. What a well-crafted replica of what appears to be a human face. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Had they lit it better, it might have been better. But no, it's it's not it's it's not good. It doesn't look like her. It doesn't look like anybody. No. I don't know what who's that supposed to be. But the thing is, this is what we were talking about earlier. When Amy comes home from dropping off her sister from the party, she walks in on this, and apparently the living room is not splattered with blood, besides the fact that someone's been decapitated there. But she sees the head in the tank and has no reaction. Absolutely no reaction whatsoever. I mean, well, she stops in her tracks and starts to walk backwards, but she's – I mean, I guess you could say she's maybe like, oh, this is another hallucination maybe, but we needed to see some of that, but we didn't. And right. I thought maybe she's thinking that Marvin decided to stop the old like, – I'm going to bring you a you – know, the, the, the fish gift gag, right. and now I'm going to bring you a head. Right. Every, yeah. every time I come and visit you, I'm going to bring you a head. Yeah, I think her wheels are different, definitely turning when she starts reacting like that, but it just it, comes across as just very, very restrained. Yes. Very ladylike. Oh, dear. Demure. Very oh, demure. Oh, oh, this is dreadful. Made. <laughs> Not again. Every Another time I leave the goddamn house, some bitch is coming here dumping her head in my fish tank. <laughs> 
the fish are not going to be pleased. Well, probably Maybe that's why he brings the fucking fish every time is because they, I'm, I'm sure the fish don't do well in swimming in all that blood. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Can fish swim in blood? I feel I'm like sure they can. I mean, they, I mean, they kind of swim in their own pee and poop. So why not? This is valid. This is valid. Of course, he was smoking all that pot. So the fish are really hungry now. Oh my gosh, they're just nomming down on. on the <laughs> There's gonna be no head when the police finally arrive. It was like a homage to Piranha. Well, no, yeah, no, Piranha had come out already. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And I mean, it's a, the slasher stuff is fine, but intermixed in all of this, you get the detective chasing the guy around town, and this is when all the air goes out of stuff. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of police people in this, and we get explained a lot of backstory, and had we spent more time in suspense with these girls, I mean, he, this guy ain't Dr. Loomis. He's not. And you know what? That's a really good point, because the police, you know, the, that storyline would have worked, obviously, again, I'm so, you know, they took that, I'm guessing, from the whole Halloween concept, because of course there has to be a police storyline. And also, and also that kind of, this kind of police crime thing was popular at the time too right so they right. kind of blended the two but it doesn't really work please continue it doesn't work because you don't get any there's no conclusion to it there's no i mean the storyline there's no like big surprise there's no big twist there's no you know you don't get something where all of a sudden it all comes together why these different elements are at play right and since this guy has personal experience with the killer that he killed his bride to be. You think when they finally meet up, it's gonna be expl? No, no, no. Blackbuster. No, it's just done and over. But we did get a great 1970s car chase from it. We did. We did. Again, very Halloween. Seeing the seeing the car through the back uh, the back window. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And him being on top, bashing on the glass. Trying to stab through the glass with his knife. Uh-huh. That was a strong choice. And of course, even as a youth, I said, "Jam on the brakes." That. Bitch is going to go flying. They Absolutely. never jam on the brakes in the movie when there's someone on the roof of the car. Never. No. Nope. Hey, yeah, so she winds up at the mortgage, the big final battle, and of course Marvin is there, and he's still trying to gaslight her, and you think, oh, maybe he'll be the hero. No. What are the chances that her car broke down so close to that morgue? Oh, she, well, uh, yes. Well, apparently there's nothing in this town except the ice cream store, the ballet school, and the morgue. The morgue. And it's the bridal shop. Yes. But yeah, so she breaks down in front of the morgue. She runs around there, and this is something somebody pointed out. Like, did she dial nine one one? Because there she meets Marvin. He's saying, "Oh no, no, there's nobody after." Her. Then he hears something. He's like, "Oh shit, you're on the level with this." Whoa, call the police! And she picks up the phone and she stands there for a second, like she forgot the number, and she dials it twice. She which, does. She, well, I yeah, she that. dials it once, then it cuts, and when it comes back again, you know, it cuts to Marvin running around the building. When it cuts back, she's dialing the number again. And I, somebody said, did they even have 911 back then? I said they did, but you have to remember this is the age of the rotary phone. So if you had anything with a 9 in it, like you could go out and make a sandwich by the time the wheel went all the way back to where it was supposed to be. Like 9 took a long time to dial. The, the suspense must have been killing her waiting for that 9 to <laughs> <dial> <laughs> <over> <laughs> <there>. <laughs> 9 is a very large number in times of crisis. Absolutely. Yeah, and the final showdown, it's adequate. You know, it had moments that it, it peaked for me, but God, did it leave me, like, wanting more. Me too. Oh, and, and the thing is, I also had to disconnect for a second because what happens is, like, they have, she chases him around. Uh, Officer Mustache shows up, shoots the guy, but, of course, then turns his back on him. Of course, he's not dead because it's a horror movie, so he gets killed. In and, a very anticlimactic way, mind you. Yeah, 
Yeah, with without any ah, this is for Joyce or, or not for right. Joyce or this is for I don't know Lillian or whatever. Who, right? They don't have any dialogue or anything. You mm-hmm. thought that maybe you would get it. even Doctor Loomis would be like Michael. There would be yeah, there, you get nothing. No, get nothing, nothing, nothing. Yeah, and she you know she hides in her turtleneck for a while, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> yes, she's like I have nowhere else to go. I'm going to pull a turtle and just kind of <laughs> turtleneck over her face, which is yeah. which is which is the poster for the movie. It is, and I really think they thought it was going to be more of an iconic moment than it ended up being. <laughs> to be fair, there was nowhere else to go. <laughs> there was. Well, it seemed like there was something behind all those tables and chairs behind her. I feel like she just kind of, here is my issue with this whole moment, just based off this topic right now. For being the final girl, they really left me wanting more from Amy. Yeah. Um, i saying the actress is incapable but like the running, like it was literally just the most pathetic display of like survival attempts I've ever experienced in a, in a film. Like yeah. her running, she's so exhausted. She's climbing up against the wall. The killer yeah. is a, has a gimp leg at this point because he's falling off the car. He's still keeping up with her. And, like, he, you know, and this <laughs> is this is 1980, so we're not talking about some seven foot hulking monstrosity of a man. Right. He's just right. a dude. And, she wasn't giving me the Marilyn Burns I was hoping for. No. No. It's very much of that era where girls have to be rescued. Right. And they're they're gasping for air as they run five steps and collapse because she does, of course, trip. Of course. Yeah. Well, she's wearing so many winter clothes and scarves and long shit that it's really difficult not to trip. Shooting this in winter was an odd choice. I kind of liked it. Yeah. She looked very, um, very similar to Ralphie's little brother in a Christmas story. Yes, but at least, at least, at least, though she was, you know, I had to say, you know, she's not going to catch a chill. Absolutely not. During all of this, but yeah. I did, I did enjoy when she hid in her turtleneck. I'm, and now I'm gone. You can't see me. La 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 la. But I get it. I get it. She gets you know, the guy, the detective gets killed. She runs a bit. She, he breaks a mirror, a door, a window in a door to get to her. She stabs his arm, and that's it. The police show up. And you and, don't even see them. No, and it's basically we'll take it from here, which is the logical progression of how it would happen in real life. But nothing else was logical up to that point. I know, so but that's not what you want in a horror movie. No, no, it was. It was. There was absolutely like no like final showdown. Like no, yeah, you don't get you don't it. get to see him taken away in handcuffs. It was really a letdown. I did it for Johnny. I would love if we just gave some like random things like that. <laughs> Right, like it was just, it was just a really. Um, I mean, after all that, you know, that huge chase sequence, I was expecting something. Yeah. You know, and there's no, there's no conclusion with with her storyline at that point. No. I mean, the next sequence obviously is in the future, but like, God, it made you not care about anything that really had happened up to that point. Yeah. You know. Yeah, like of course, and then when they're leaving the police station, you think, oh, because uh, of course, as the modern viewer, like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. there's gonna be one more. No. Right. Nope. Nah. No. no, there is one more surprise, but it's not much of one. I mean, uh, I guess I guess you oh. were surprised. <laughs> I mean, come on now, really? Like, I mean, watching that sequence, that final sequence, I was like, wow. I the audiences of that time really like were not as jaded as we are now. No, they were not. Uh, we were still because, innocent little babes. Yeah, 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 and we've seen a lot of shit in the last what. 30, 40 years in the sense of horror cinema, it's evolved so much. So, 
yeah, it just who the ending really. I was like, this is it. Yeah, what winds up happening? It, we didn't really cover this, but we had a flashback sequence earlier on in which the detective's wife was killed on her wedding day, and the movie pretty much copies that scene. That, you know, she's at her mirror and getting ready, and the killer guy comes in, who she knows, and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I told you it wasn't going to work out. I'm with him now, and whatever. So, and she winds up getting killed and that's what happens here she's at the mirror she turns around she goes phil what are you doing here fade to red no you don't even see anything happen no 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 well of course phil would be like well i just wanted to say you know good luck to because i guess she's marrying marva now because that yeah yeah you don't get any you don't you you kind of sort of didn't save my life so i'm gonna marry you were there. You were there. And so if you escorted me out of the building, so I guess I'll marry you now instead of Phil because he's gay now. <laughs> so Phil right. just showed up to yeah. say th- thank you, thank you for you know letting me take that bachelor weekend. So now I know who and what I am now. Right. Help me realize that I'm a homosexual. I want to say thank you. And uh, yeah, and I would have brought you an ice cream cone, but I didn't know what flavor you wanted because you could never make up your mind. You never clarified. <laughs> so I just brought you the cone. Here you go. And that fat lady's just sitting there judging in the other corner, just judging them. There's a fat lady in the uh, oh, in the ice cream parlor. In the ice cream parlor that you thought was going to have some big gag. Just offended. She was just offended. No, because they kept coming back to her. I'm like, oh, something funny is going to happen with her. She's going to have some clever. No, she's just offended Nothing. by everything. And she's shoveling gallons of ice cream in her mouth at the time. She was. I was really angry. I actually did go get ice cream after I watched the film. At a girl. At I a did. Girl. I was like, God, that moment really stuck with me. Out of all the moments. Yeah, so that's He Knows You're Alone in a nutshell. A big, big old nutshell. Yeah, it's it's if nothing else, it's a curiosity. Yeah, you know what? It's Even though I would say I wouldn't consider it a good movie, for nostalgia purposes alone, it's really enjoyable. Does that make sense? I mean, No, it's, I, I'm right there with you. It's, it, yeah. it's a hearkening – I can't believe I just said hearkening. It's a hearkening back to a simpler time. Mm-hmm. Of this kind of horror movie when we were not so jaded and we were not so demanding. Absolutely. And it showed a lot of, a lot of, you know, based off what we've said with Scream 2, obviously recreating the sequence, it, it set up a very basic blueprint, very basic at times, too basic, but a very basic blueprint for uh, a formula that, you, you know, would be followed over and over. Even though it was taking the formula from Halloween, it did create some of its own genre niches that have been recreated since yes mm-hmm. yes and I, I i do i do like the idea of the bridal night killer even though it was bridal night it's, it's kind of an interesting you know we, we, they didn't go the holiday route they went something else agreed i i would say that i feel that this film i think a remake could do do good on the storyline because i do think that the story wasn't polished it, it seems like it didn't you know they didn't fill all the gaps and you know they left a lot of loose strings i think this is a, a concept that could be revisited in the future and probably enhanced definitely enhanced mm-hmm. absolutely although uh, there are certain things i do like these are the things i miss about the older movies in that we have a killer who a we don't have a name for but right. he's just a dude with a knife with a knife and also not a hell of a lot of overwhelming backstory right Which i at point hate was, too much history yeah that was consistent, though, when you think of it. I mean, Black Christmas, you got backstory, but you didn't, you know, the, you didn't get, like, in the remake where they filled you, they, they shoved it down your throat. Yeah, what, what I so. dug about the original Black Christmas is that the backstory you get 
you have to piece together from those phone calls. Right. Yep. That With there that. is a story there, but you have to pay attention to those calls. Right. Exactly. And Halloween still, you know, as, as it wasn't until Halloween two that you really got the whole sibling thing, you know. So which at that point, which murdered the whole thing, through. yeah. Right. It was way more uh, obscure and open ended, which was, you know, I do I do appreciate a good backstory as long as it's not contrived, you know. Yeah. But um, it works, you know. It, it leaves that element of mystery open. Yeah, and also this is also the, the era of, based on where it was filmed. This is also the era of you know we just came off of Son of Sam, right. Two years before, so this kind of thing where some complete rando could be it after you people. was a very, very real possibility. Right, right, and it resonated with people at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, I that I, my sisters were of the target age yeah. at the time, and they were going out at the time. I remember my um, uncle, who is an NYPD cop, that's mm-hmm. redundant. NYPD cop is redundant. I bought them both wigs. Oh, wow. Bought them both blonde wigs because he was targeting brunettes. That's – wow. For when they went That's, out. Because he, he, he struck in my town. I didn't live in New York City. We lived on Long Island, but he did come out there. He didn't yeah. – he, he hurt two girls out there. Uh, didn't kill them, but he tried to. So it was very, very real. So this type of thing of being stalked by a stranger would have resonated very much. Yeah, absolutely. With the audience of the time as a distinct possibility. Well, and the, the best – I mean not saying that this is a great movie, but – No, not at all. Best horror you know, uh, is able to capitalize on the emotions and the fears and the mentalities of, of the generation at that time you know, or of the people of that time. I mean Night of Living Dead, just an example, 1968, yeah. racial tensions. Sure. Uh, you know, country at war. Uh-huh. Uh, not trusting the government. And yeah. I mean that and that that's just an example of, of you know of a piece of film that still has an uh, impact because it capitalized on on people's fears, real fears at the time. Yeah. So yeah, so that I mean that completely makes sense why that film would go that route. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that we've done it. We did. I think we've done it. Okay, so, that was cool, Roger. Thank you very much. So do you have anything that you want to promote right now? Um and tell people about your blog. Sure, yeah. Because well, they're probably I mean, wondering what all that fizzy bubble was. <laughs> I I have a, a WordPress uh, blog I do. It's called Fizzy Bubbles in which I I uh, dissect uh, classic, uh, somewhat forgotten songs of, of the past, uh, pop culture nostalgia. Uh, and uh, two or three times a week I, I select a song that's forgotten. I recently did um, Brenda Russell, Piano in the Dark. Sure. Um, you know, tapping into something that you only hear in grocery stores now and then saying, you know, this is why this song was Grammy nominated. This is why this song had this impact at this time. And people yeah. have forgot. It's just like cinema, you know, uh, music. There's a lot of songs that get, uh, that get forgotten that, you know, have still hold up. Absolutely. Still hold up. So I love, I do love pop culture. I love music. Um, as for cinema, uh, of course, chill still out. So if you haven't seen it, see it, chill the killing games. And yes. I'm in that. I'm gay, so I mean, what? Used to talk about it. No, shocking. I know. Um, so, but um, why wasn't I informed of this beforehand? I'm so sorry to. to oh my god! I'm gonna have to log. sterilize my ear now. I might have gay in my ear. <laughs> that's, not the only, that's not the only place I got it. What? <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, and then Lady Krampus comes out uh, in uh, next October. 
Is it a holiday slasher? Sure. Um, other than that, just got a bunch of movies premiering this year. So following that, I'll have updates on distros. Uh, I think 2017 is going to be a good year. Good year for me in horror. I said, and I'll be here to pimp yo shit out. Oh, thank you, Patrick. That's so very kind of you. And also your movies. What? Uh, <laughs> what? Who what? Who said hey, what? Hey, if it's going to pay the bills, pimp whatever the <laughs> that's, you that's want right, to. That's right. That's right. It's still <laughs> art. <laughs> just depends on who's looking at it. Thank you. The way I do it, it's art. All right. <laughs> if I call it art, I won't be arrested for it, right? Sure. Yes. It's a performance piece. Exactly. Audience participation. Yes. Encouraged. <laughs> be sure to sit in the splash zone. What? Okay, Roger. Where can people find out more about you? Um, IMDb. You can always look up my IMDb profile. Uh, just to look up some of my credits. Um, I have an official Facebook page, Roger Connors, C O N N E R S. Um, which will I keep that updated regularly with new projects premiering and so forth. Yes, you do. Um, I have a new website that launched that I'll be linking onto uh, my Facebook page as well. So just okay. network, network, network. Get the name out there, you know. Fantastic. All right, Roger. Thank you very much for joining me on this very non-romantic Valentine's Day. I know. It was so morbid. I loved it. I know. I know. I know. But, you know. Thank you for having me. It you're was very great. welcome. You're very you welcome. Know, I, I was going to try to come up with something about, like, a Valentine's you know, leaving, you know, when, when, so when, so tonight when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're lighting the tube and smoking your wine and. Waiting to be killed. Just pretend I put a head in your tank. Yes. Just, just, and it's from me. Oh, thank you. You know how to sweep a man off his feet. I really don't. As a matter of fact, it's just that's tragic. Thank you, Roger. Thank you for joining us. Big hugs to you. Big hugs to you, too. Happy Valentine's Day. California, the one that hates everything. Michael. Yeah, well, listen, I took a bullet. I, I took you a did. boy. Did I take a bullet? Oh, you no. know when you're not feeling well and you just want to watch something? Uh-huh. Yeah, Netflix had this thing called uh, the Ouija Experiment oh. Part Two. Oh, part Two. Oh, oh my God! I don't think I've ever seen anything worse. I really not, there, it, it wasn't even there wasn't even a moment where it's that so bad. It's funny. It yeah. was just oh, you evolve. That's all I can say. But listen, I actually called to tell you, I saw something I really liked, and I what? don't know if you've seen it yet. So what? I would like to put in your year, Is if you have not day? seen it. Yes. Uh, 2012 film Sinister with Ethan Hawke. Ah, Love Ethan Hawke. He's a yes. cutie. He's a hottie. What, it, what I really like this movie. It, it, 
<clears throat> you know, may not have been like the best in the world. No. It may get like three out of five stars from me. Okay. But they did an awful lot of things I really liked. I really liked the plot. I thought yes. that it was interesting. I thought that the whole setup was pretty interesting. They did some really cool camera things that Ooh, that I camera uh, one that just really caught my eye was uh, Ethan Hawke is watching these films of, of families being murdered, and what mm-hmm. we're watching is Ethan Hawke's face, and in his glasses we see the reflection of what he's seeing on the screen in front of him so you get to see what's happening and his reaction at the same time Uh, i thought that was really great oh so hey if you haven't seen it sinister 2012 ethan hawk yes really liked it and 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 i am gonna put my little yarbles up to the wall for something here i don't know where you're gonna find it i bought a copy at shout factory one of my favorite movies from 1989, I, Madman. I can't tell you why I like it wow. until you see the film. But I really, really want Flash to know what you think of I, Madman. It I, stinks. Uh, I'm, not, I'm sorry, I don't know where you're going to be able to find it. I had to buy the film. I was happy to buy the film on Blu-ray. Uh-huh. I, Blu-ray. Madman, oh 1989. What oh, a year. Yeah, baby. Ooh. Oh, sorry. That got weird. Anyway, hope you're doing well. Hope Smoochie is doing well. Uh, Love your podcast. Love you, baby. I love you. And I will talk with you soon. I hope so. Ah, Michael, me darling, it's always just a grand thing to hear your voice purred in my ears like that. Why am I Barry Fitzgerald now? I don't know. Why not? You really do hate everything. You really do. It's something I admire in you, and yet... In the same call, you're like, but I love this, so I don't know where I stand right now. Up is down, down is up. But then again, welcome to 2017. Am I right? Of course I'm right. So let's break this down a little bit at a time. I didn't know there was a Ouija experiment, too. I saw the first one. Same thing. It was like 1 o'clock in the morning, and I couldn't sleep, and I just watched it. And it was terrible. But oddly enough, there was something watchable about the first one in its terribleness. Not that it was funny or campy or bad, but they would be on. I don't know. I can't really describe why I sat through it. It was bad, but I sat through the whole thing. But I am not going back for another dose of that old bullshit. No, sir. No, sirree, Bob. So kudos to you and thank you for taking one from the team. I mean, for the team. What? Did I say that? Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. I don't think I covered sinister officially on the show i know i went to see it with my friend don windsor from australia who visited on one of my birthday episodes it was the anniversary episode i think it was an anniversary episode maybe not this year but last year and i liked it too he was supposed to come on the show and talk about it but he didn't because he's a jerk and i guess i was waiting for him to show up which is why i never covered it i did enjoy it uh there were problems with it like i said but overall there was that awful mood of doom and disgustingness and those videos were terrible and the music for the videos were just weird and scary and creepy and and everything and i i dug it i dug it however michael i'm gonna save you from more misery do not bother with sinister part two it is a piece of garbage it it it, i can't i i can't just don't i'm not even gonna tell you anything else about it you'll be like oh i like the first one a lot well you'll hate yourself for sitting through part two even though the star of it is that goofy cop 
who kind of became a sidekick towards the second half. And yay for this guy getting a leading role in something. And he's great in it. But the movie itself is just an excruciating delve into the world of boredom and poo-poo. And I don't like that world. I don't like poo-poo world. I don't like it. No, sir. No, sir. So I think that was it. I think we covered everything. Thank you for calling in, Michael. Thank you for uh, taking one for the team. Like I said, you know what you get for that? A gold star. Jingle, 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 jingle. I don't have a sound effect for that right now. Thank you for calling. I love you. I love you. Oh, you know what? I just want to say one thing. Okay, this is a general complaint. and It has nothing to do with you. Google Voice all of a sudden updated its webpage and its format and everything, and now I can't download these mp3 files directly to my computer there's no download option so now i have to play them record them on my phone transfer them to my computer and it's just a pain in the butt and now i have to pretend like i didn't hear your call the first time because i try to like only half listen when i do this when i'm doing this today because this is the first time it's happened i've been really pissed off about it but i think i think you know i i recorded the calls from my uh, on my phone so long ago now that I forgot what it was about. So hooray for everybody. And the other thing that's funny, Google Voice has a little translate option, you know, the the, the speech-to-text thing. So I always get a little printout of what people have said. It has nothing to do with anything that their voices are actually said. But you know how you like to say Oigavalt? Every time you said that in this call, Google Voice translated that to World of Walt. So I think we should make that a thing. Next time we get upset, just be like, oh, World of Walt. And people will be like, what did he just say? And you'll be like, it's a Scream thing, Scream Queens thing. You wouldn't understand. You wouldn't understand. I couldn't even say it properly. Thank you, Michael. I got another call. Stop hogging my time. God, Jesus, Lord. Boy, a World of Walt. <laughs> Hi, Patrick. It's Robin. Robin. How are you? I'm good. Okay, so the movie... The big, shiny, sparkly turtlet that I was talking about was Jerusalem. Oh. Uh, don't waste your time. Motion sickness? I think I threw up on my mouth about six times. Anyway. Ew. So, pretty much the thing with that one is I like the concept where they were going and some of the new things they added. But there was a lot of question and my husband loved it. And then he kept getting irritated at me. Men. Maybe I just, like, had a couple too many Martooties while I was watching it. Maybe that was the problem. Did you see Martooties? Siren. Siren is the movie I was talking about. Siren. It's pretty darn good. It's kind of kooky. It kind of has a bordello of blood kind of thing going on with Oh, my. But it is actually um, a full-length movie from the short from the um, VHS, the first VHS. The um, girl that does the creepy oh, eye yeah. I so I'll always do that and I scare my husband and creep him out, and that's hilarious. But yeah, pretty good. Check it out. It's like a chiller feature or something like that. So it's, you know, not some high budget, but it's pretty fun, kooky time. We love um, fun and so, kooky. Yeah, just if you check it out, and also the weekend with my husband's thingy, I'm going to go see Split. Right. So I'm kind of excited. I usually don't go to the movies, but. If something persuades me, then I'll check it out. So hopefully that one's pretty good. And I hope it's good. I'll let you know. And I hope you can hear me better this time. Much better. Because um, I kind of talk to you when I'm kind of to and from work because I have a long commute. All right. So oh, you talk to me when I'm on my way to work, and then I talk back to you. Well, don't crash so, the car. Love you, love you. Get to see you in Smoochie Brew, and I will talk to you soon. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. 
Robin, my love, thank you so much for calling back and clarifying all that stuff from last time because that drove me crazy. Not you, but just not being able to know what you were warning me against or, or recommending. Gosh darn it. Gosh darn it. Yeah, I've seen Jerusalem listed on Netflix and it only had one star, so I, and it's zombies. And you know, I'm not really big on zombies anymore. And if it's not a great zombie movie, I'm definitely not going to waste my time. And plus, they spell Jerusalem with a Z. And that's my thing. How dare you? How dare you? And did you say you had too many Martutis? To me, that's like a, martuti, uh, a martini that's served by Tutti from the Facts of Life on roller skates, which would be amazing, and then I would definitely have lots of them. And you know what? It sounds like you needed them to get through that movie. And if your husband liked it and you didn't, well, there you go. That's the thing that keeps marriages spicy. Siren. The day after I posted the episode, I was walking down 42nd Street, and Siren was playing at one of the movie theaters. It was there. I saw it on the marquee, and I'm like, that's what she was trying to say. Now I understand. I had only kind of sort of heard of it. And then when I saw the name of it, I had to go running over and look, because I know there's a movie coming out now about killer mermaids and it's a musical and I think it's from Poland or Russia or something like that and I thought maybe that was it but it's not it and I don't know what the name of that movie is it's driving me crazy because it's about mermaids and it's a musical and they're killer that was a long way to go and I hope you enjoyed Split I got to see Split I'm not telling you what I thought of Split because a review of Split is now some of the bonus material that you will get if you become a Patreon subscriber. So sorry. Unless you subscribe, then yay. Robin, thank you for calling in. Thank you for clearing up that horrible, horrible mystery. And I will talk to you soon. After I finish this Matuti duty, duty, hooty, looty, fruity, fruity, tooty, margaruti. Dude, uh, what's happening? I'm stuck in a loop. It's Pontypool now. I've just caught a full Pontypool. <laughs> if you haven't seen that movie, you won't get it, but that's too bad. If you go see that movie, it's a good movie. Shut up. Shut up, Patrick. Hang up the phone. Except you're not hanging up the phone. You're on the computer. What are you doing? I don't know what's happening. Oh, my gosh. There's another call. Yay. It is Isabella from Jacksonville. I'd like to greet you, Pat. What? It's been um, a while back since I've talked to you. Yes, it has um, been. I just recently watched in October The Fly, Ooh. and um, it is very a fun experience. Also, <laughs> me, um, Flint, and the Gargoyle and me have been recently made a deal of we are now friends. Oh, oh, I good. I went through a chicken at him, what? and he picked it up and ate it. Um, so I told him, you, um, the list of people he doesn't like and every night while they're asleep he puts poop in their mouth. That sounds like it. Um, and um, my mom gets him an allowance of doing that. <laughs> well, I hope not to waste your time. What? Bye. <laughs> your mom just... Did you just tell me that your mom gives Flem the gargoyle an allowance for putting poop in people's mouths? She gives him cash money for doing that? Now, had I known that she was that kind of lady, I'd be putting people, poop in people's mouths myself. Sounds like a lucrative business opportunity. Isabella, what a delight to hear from you again. What a great, cool thing. And hey, that's cool you got to see the fly. Now, I'm wondering if you got to see the old black and white version with Vincent Price, which is which is cool and creepy and, and everything, or if you saw the newer version, the one that's in color. Uh, I'm betting you saw the Vincent Price one 
because the newer one, that's like really gory and really scary. And But you know what? You're a tough kid. And you're a brave young lady. After all, you gotta be pretty tough to throw a chicken at a gargoyle who has said that he wants to eat you or possibly poop in your mouth. But that's neither here nor there. That is some tough stuff, and you made a friend out of him. Well, that's more than I've ever done. So you got one on me. That is really cool. It's well done. Well done. This is my hope for the future right here. Young Isabella, the future female. And that's her right there. I'm pointing at you. Well, I'm pointing at the computer screen like you're in front of me. So pretend that I'm pointing at you, and it's really cool. And if... I give you $5. Would you tell Flem not to put poop in my mouth? Because, yeah, he still does that every now and then. He th- and then he's like, oh, Smoochie did it. Smoochie the cat did not do that. Or did she? They could be working in cahoots. I have no idea. Anyway, thank you for calling in, Isabella. Give your mom a hug for me. Thank you. And give yourself a hug as well. Ah, Isabel hug. Okay, that was adorable. That was adorable. Uh, that's it for the voicemails for right now. But I did get a couple of emails that I want to get to because I did not get to them last time. Okay, the first one comes from Scott from Ontario. How you doing, Scott? And he just wanted to say that... Well, he says, So, Patrick, I just watched Hotel of the Damned with Louis Mandylore. I didn't know there was another Mandalore. If he's anything like Constance Mandalore, I can do without him, but let's please continue. Anyway, the characters weren't really likable. It was a backwoods cannibal movie with no real surprises. However, in the beginning, one of the victims was running from the cannibals, and she stopped to squat and scream before running again. Did she just poop scream? It was my fault for watching. Not bad enough to waste your time. Wow. I mean, I, I, as I said to you in response, that, that the poop squat is often overlooked as a quality survival technique. It is a way to get you to the final reel, but maybe maybe when, you're, when it's happening in real life and not on camera. I don't personally recommend the poop scream. But if it worked for her, which I guess it didn't because she was a victim at the beginning of the movie, then never mind. Let's never speak of such things again. Thank you. Scott, for letting us know about this bad movie that I had not even heard of and that there is a possible another member of the Mandalore clan running around. I can't stand Costas Mandalore. When they kept bringing him back in the Saw movies, I was just like, oh, put my face in one of those bear trap things right now. I don't want to watch him anymore. And if he's in it, then, I mean, if, any, if, if anyone from his gene pool is in this movie, I already don't like it. Uh, poop screaming or not. I, I, I mean, if the poop scream scene winds up on YouTube, then I'll watch it. But thank you, Scott, for writing in and for taking one for the team. You get a gold star. Tinkle, 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 tinkle. I really got to get my sound effect back for that. Unless you really enjoyed that sort of thing that I just did, which I guess is great in its own life. Oh, gosh, I'm getting punchy. Don't get punchy yet, Patrick. You got another email. Okay, the next email is from Roger, and Roger says, Hi, Patrick. I heard my email and message on your show. Thank you so much for that. It meant a lot and brought tears to my eyes. 
I saw the new horror release, The Bye Bye Man, this weekend. Oh, oh, Roger. Luckily, I work part-time in a theater, so I got to see it for free. My initial reaction was, don't think it, don't say it, don't see it. Parts of it were nonsensical, and I didn't care anything about the main characters. The police detective was the stereotypical lady detective that seems to be popping up in all horror crime movies these days. Also, the movie was supposed to be set in Sun Prairie and Madison, Wisconsin, which are the areas I live in, and it obviously was not either. I would not recommend paying to see this movie, but in hindsight, you could do worse for a freebie. Roger, I could kind of tell from the trailer and the title that that was going to be a huge piece of poo, but you know what? You took one for the team. So many people taking it for the team today. So, Roger, you get a go. Whoa, gold star. Shine on, shine on with your gold star, baby. Thank you so much for take doing that for all of us. And, man, if the horror movie comes out in January, as a rule, avoid it. Avoid most movies in January. You work in a theater. You know that. This is dead season. This is where they get rid of all the shit that they don't know what, didn't know what to do with. The rest of the year that wasn't a summer blockbuster, that wasn't going to work on Oscar season, that they just was so – they just didn't bar stuff out in the theater. And it was the – they should have called it the Barf Barf Man. Except then I definitely would have seen it. Anyway, thank you for writing in, Roger. Okay, that's going to wrap it all up for your correspondence this week. So if you want to be like Isabella and Michael and Robin and call into the show and leave a message and make everything much cooler than it was going to be anyway, you pick up your phone, you stick out your finger, and you hit the little keypad with the numbers 917-720-2047. Or if you want to be like Roger... You can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And of course, that's Queens with a Z, not Jerusalem with a Z, because fuck that movie. No, we're talking about me right now. Or if you want to be like Scott from Ontario, you could send me a message on Facebook. Well, how do I do that? Well, you go to Facebook and you do a search on Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay, and poof, I will pop right up in your face. That sounded dirtier than I ever intended that to be, but you know what? If you enjoyed it, rock on with yourself. Also, you can send me a message on Twitter at Scream Queens. I'm on Instagram as no TR for you and also as Scream Queens Podcast, even though there's no activity there because I don't understand how Instagram works because I'm old. But hey, follow me anyway. I don't know what's going on there. Watch me flail. That was more I don't know what that was that wasn't flailing. And, of course, you can head on over to the Patreon page. There will be a link available uh, since I don't know it offhand yet. On the Facebook feeds, on Twitter, and on the blog as well. Become a member and you're going to get extra episodes every damn ass month. Maybe one, maybe two. Maybe you'll get an original song written about you. And plus, there's going to be more new stuff coming along the way and speaking of what's coming along the way next time we are going to do another listener request because so many of you went to see allegiance uh in the theaters like i asked you to and learned all about the japanese internment during the uh, in, in america during world war ii in that horrible time and are being rewarded by getting to take over the show so next time we got a selection by i love this name jelly belly kelly and Jelly Belly Kelly wants to keep this romantic 80s slasher theme going. We're going to be watching 
Hide and Go Shriek, which is the one that takes place in a furniture store and is available for you to watch on YouTube. I'm going to be joined by Allison and Brian once again, formally. They're, they're formally of the I'm Not Here to Make Friends podcast. So expect lots of fun. And Alan's, Allison's going to be happy because I watched the movie already and there are tons of tits. And Allison loves tits and good for her. Who doesn't love tits? Even I love tits and I am gay as the day is long and the day is pretty damn long today especially when you have a cat that doesn't let you sleep patrick what are you talking about wrap the show up you know what i think i will so until next time my beautiful beautiful screamers continue to make the world a creepier place and never ever forget the scream queen's golden rule fight or flight survive that night make it to the final reel baby because you're a star not as big a star as I am, but you know what? I think you're cool. Why can't you ever just end the show like a normal person? I don't know. You're still not ending the show. And five, six, seven, eight. Good night, kids. Bye. I go hunting for witches. Heads up, goes to roll. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches! <laughs> Hello, this is Flem the Gargoyle, pulled out of retirement once again to save Patrick's cheese. Because, you see, he promised that he was going to give you the information about seeing George Takai's allegiance in the movie theaters at the end of the show, but he forgot. Because he is stupid. And I hate him. But if you want to see the movie, the live screening of the... Pro- Wait, the live record... Well, it's not the screen... Whatever. It's not the-, the show happened a long time ago, but they're putting it in the movie theaters all over the country for one day only, once again, on February 19th. So if you head over to fathomevents.com, that's F-A-T-H-O-M, events, or fathom, fathom, if you prefer, fathom events, and look for Allegiance, you can find out where it's playing near you and how to get the tickets. And remember, if you buy tickets to see the show, save your receipt and send it to Dumbhead, you get to take over the show for a whole episode. Of course, I bought my tickets last time, and when did I get uh, to take over the show? I did not get to take over the show, so Patrick lies. Patrick lies. Maybe he won't lie to you. He just lies to me because he's a bastard person. Anyway, any movie you want him to talk about, providing he hasn't talked about it already or it's just stupid, he will talk about it on the show just for you, just for going to see a movie and being all entertained by the singing and the dancing and the important history lesson. Blah, blah, blah. But listen, let me make this very clear to you. If you do not buy tickets to the movie show and take over the podcast for the next 50 years, I will hunt you down and I will shit in your mouth. There it is. If we all band together, we could take over the show for 150 years. Think of it. You could be like, hey, Patrick, I want to see, I want to hear you talk about the Bambi or the Terms of Endearment or Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. He won't know what to do with himself. So you can ruin Scream Queens forever. Do it. Do it. Buy your ticket. Ruin Scream Queens. Or get the mouth full of my feces.